Friends off topic. Hey, friends. It's a movie podcast. You don't have to watch the movie because we're going to tell you everything about it. But you can. Spoilers. Right. Definitely. So get out your water, sunlight, and old plug-in alarm clock. But make sure it's got backup batteries because this week we watched Gremlins. Well, bring your inventions as well. <laughs> and your inventions. Oh, man. Your <laughs> shitty inventions. Just as long as they break immediately. That's he right. Was always, like, it was almost like he was the gremlin. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's Sabotaging interesting. Sabotaging his own shit. That's, I wonder if that's why they did it. Uh, y'all had seen it before? Yes. yes. Many times? Many. Yes. It is one of my favorites. So when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to like watch anything it scared you pg-13 oh, i just wasn't allowed just wasn't allowed oh. and that, uh i didn't even know what it was rated but like some of the stuff we watched like indiana jones and yeah. the temple of doom those were worse yeah I, I got to watch those yeah and then i watched this and the anxiety that created oh my god indiana uh, jones was like intense the temple of doom where he just pulls out the, yes. his heart right the bugs look i can't even play. the never-ending story they're also sad I can't even play like action games or shit like that where something's gonna jump out and scare me because Because of that movie. My anxiety, no, my anxiety gets so damn bad with that. So that's how Indiana Jones were for me. Yeah, it's like playing that Super Mario Brothers level where it's just a constant. You have to keep going and die. And the music just makes it worse. Oh, the one where the level is like moving. Mm I yep. can't play that one. <laughs> it stresses me out so bad. <laughs> it's hard. Um, right, but well. when I watched this, I had to cover my eyes whenever the bad gremlins came out. That was the directions from my mom. Oh, yeah. I was like, are you like you really had to cover your <laughs> no, eyes? No, I didn't want to, but that was how I could watch it with my cousins. I think well, what, So you wouldn't have nightmares? I guess. What hurt me the most was realizing that this movie is like 40 fucking years old is it really yeah oh yeah 84 Mm -hmm. right yeah Mm. i did the math for you first good job because i'm not good at it 40 years it seems like the movies that we're doing are all coming up on anniversaries yeah isn't that weird yeah it's cool how that worked out great so um who are you guys i'm crystal um crossfit did you realize that they start the same? I realized that today. Crystal CrossFit. Crystal were, CrossFit. Let's made, go. <laughs> they were made for each other. Obviously. It was, it was weird when I was in the tub yesterday and we had gotten DoorDash or something and it was like, Crystal is approaching with your order. And I was like, what? Because the DoorDasher was Crystal? Yeah. Neat. I don't know what she looked like though. You didn't wait to see? Nope. Who are you? I'm Andrea. <laughs> I have nothing going on in my life. Nothing? Nothing. At all? Nope, I just work. No fun mail stories? Oh, man, I could go on all day <laughs> I think you need to make a TikTok. Yeah. You yeah. need to make a TikTok and put a video every day of, like, the stuff about the mail. I think stuff. Lindsay already makes a TikTok. About the mail? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, She's she probably deals with a lot more because she's walking through people's yards and stuff. I have minimal, you know. Or, you know, this past week she was probably swimming through them. Oh, oh. yeah, no, for real. That was pretty miserable. And once the water got in my boots, I was just like, fuck this whole day. Yeah, I always wondered how y'all deal with that. There's no way to really stay dry. But you redheaded shit. It rains in our trucks. Someday. It rains in the mail trucks. (laughs) So you have no hope. No. I know she told me how one time she hit a bump 
and the water just all came in. No, it's not even a bump. Like you accelerate and it comes Maybe that's out. what it was. It comes out from like where it runs down the windshield. It comes down and then it comes out and then it ends up all over you and all your um, little plug-in things. Mm-mm. I don't do wet clothes. No. But once you're wet, I mean, it's kind of like just fuck it. That's my motto rash. for this year. That's what she said. Fuck it. It's a good motto. Yeah. I'm Joelle. That's all I got. <laughs> That's that. You're crafty. I'm so oh, crafty. You are crafty. Working on a temperature blanket. She of makes things. Of course you are. T-shirts. Of course. <laughs> I'm <laughs> always sending her like reasons I need to learn how to crochet, but it's for the most ridiculous reasons. So what are we getting into first, Crystal? The synop. Mm, nice. <laughs> Is that what we're doing now? Is that what the kids are saying? You don't want to call it the sis. Gremlins, nineteen eighty four. One hour, forty six minutes. I also watched this on Amazon Prime, but I had to buy it because by the time we watched it, it wasn't free anymore. Terrible. I had to rent it three times. You're welcome, everyone. Like it's back in the day, old school. Truly, apologies, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> We've had sickness and scheduling conflicts and everything. I literally else. couldn't talk the other day; like there was no way it was happening. And Joelle had the strep. Yeah. We weren't coming into this place with well, that. I, I mean, I already. I mean, I'm sick. So here we go. You're next. Now it's your turn. Yeah. A gadget salesman is looking for a special gift for his son and finds one at a store in Chinatown. The shopkeeper is reluctant to sell him the mogwai, but sells it to him with the warning to never expose him to bright light, water, or to feed him after midnight. All of this happens, and the result is a gang of gremlins that decide to tear up the town on Christmas Eve. I like that synopsis, maybe because I already know everything about it. It doesn't give it all away. I mean... It makes it sound wholesome. It does. (laughs) Did y'all see the preview that I posted? No. I am trying to remember. Like, I feel. I put a gift today. I know it's only been like a couple weeks, a few weeks. I don't know how many weeks since. You have to watch the preview. It's like set up to be very comical. Like, Billy Mm -hmm. is at his great job. And then, like, his name tag is upside down. I don't know. Is that because of the whole, like, Steven Spielberg only makes PG 13 movies thing? Probably. Because I know, like, I have the notes on how wicked it truly, like, they're truly wicked stuff that was in there i'm really excited about the third one because it looks like it's gonna be a wicked movie i have a little bit about what the third I'm one excited. is supposedly I, I just saw it today yeah there I might be like, more i felt like this podcast was meant to be there might be more now we'll have to add to it maybe yeah this was a uh, number two at the box office to ghostbusters oh it it well ghostbusters is pretty good it is yeah I um read that it actually came out number three to all of to oh really yeah like Indiana Jones was first and then Ghostbusters oh and then this movie Indiana yeah. Jones was good it was this movie is fantastic funny and scary it is yep the budget was eleven million and it grows that's a lot for back then one hundred fifty three million I think it was mostly the puppets but yeah. Man, for real, them puppets. Like, they said they spent so much money on those puppets, they had them bitches on guard. Oh, now we know why. Yeah, for real. Because they drooled in case you wanted to know what that sound was. (laughs) I have the notes on that, too, later. Drooling? Me drooling? No. Joe Dante, he did The Howling, Small Soldiers, and Gremlins 2. Chris Columbus was the writer. He did The Goonies, Christmas with the Cranks, Nine Months. 
fucking love the Goonies. Me too. I, I watched it the other day. To do the Goonies, I have watched. I think we already put it in a vote. So many we? stupid yeah. times. Yeah. Love it. All right. So inspired by, loosely based on Roald Dolls. Is that how you say it? That sounds right. I, th- I think so. Okay. The movie's creator, Chris Columbus, was inspired by his living situation at NYU Film School. He lived in a loft with a rodent problem and found it creepy to hear mice skittering around in the dark. Oh, yeah, I did read that. This gave him the idea for the bones of his horror comedy. In addition, the movie's fictional creatures called Mogwai draws on legends of folkloric mischievous creatures that cause malfunctions, gremlins, in the British Royal Air Force going back to World War II. A gremlin is a mischievous folkloric creature invented at the beginning of the 20th century to originally explain malfunctions in aircraft and later in other machinery, processes, and their operators. Depictions of these creatures vary widely. Stories about them and references to them as the causes of especially inexplicable technical and mental problems of pilots were especially popular during and after World War II. Use of the term in the sense of a mischievous creature that sabotages aircraft first arose in Royal Air Force slang among British pilots stationed in Malta, the Middle East, and India in the 1920s, with the earliest printed report in a poem published in the journal Aeroplane in Malta on April 10, 1929. Later sources have sometimes claimed that the concept goes back to World War I. There's no print evidence of this. There is evidence of earlier RAF reference in the 1920s to a lowly menial person. In other words, a low-ranking officer or enlisted man saddled with oppressive assignments. That's who said that it was gremlins and made it up? Yep. Oh. That is the origin of the term gremlin. Awesome. That kind of makes me think of like how the Greek... Um, way back in the day would blame everything on a different god like they had a god for everything but that's what it made me think of okay so i was completely wrong earlier um not surprising it ended up fourth highest grossing film of 1984 behind beverly hills cop ghostbusters they're remaking that too and indiana jones so it was fourth and i also wanted to add what an awesome fucking time to be alive i know all those great <laughs> movies like when i saw that list i was like what a fucking awesome movie year like all that awesome shit came out well and i saw that gremlins also kind of like paved the way for uh i don't know if it paved the way or was just at the same time as um comedy horror coming out mm-hmm. like um the far side came out around the same time and it also well, yeah i mean that's kind of like the lost boys was kind of like a comedy horror kind yeah. of thing too like and that came out that was an 80s thing yeah I found that to be more horror comedy than comedy horror well you know what i mean <laughs> if spielberg was involved just, i was then, just saying it's scarier then it yeah, had rebels. that funny wholesome vibe yeah and then they had other movies with like little creatures like the uh the munchies the critters. Yes. The critters. The critters. Yeah. And the trimmers. Trimmers. Those are very I big creatures. Love trimmers. I love trimmers. I have actually watched all of them, even the stupid ones. <laughs> what about Sharknado? <laughs> Hadn't seen oh, it. Oh, I forced myself to watch the first one. Why? Because Riley was like, Mom, it's not good. Watch this movie. And I was like, No, it's dumb. Yeah. But I was trying to spend time with my kids. So I did. 
watch it. You paid your dues. I did. And it was, I will never get that time back. So, uh, sequels. Gremlins 2, the new batch, which came out in 1990. And there was an animated series called Gremlins, Secrets of the Mogwai, May 23rd, 2023, on Max. Uh, so, I watched a little bit of that. Did you? Was uh, it wonderful? No. Not judging by your face. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I went into it thinking, you know, oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Beetlejuice, those are great cartoons off of movies. This uh-huh. one was, first, the Gremlins were green. I was which I was not into, and I just didn't like the they're animation. They're green in the movie, aren't they? Just like a darker um, green. They're like green. They're all kinds of colors. They're like black, brown. Like, like whenever you eat Skittles, all in one, and they become that <laughs> gross green brown color. Yeah, I don't we'll, take them out we'll to look go at with them. That. <laughs> you take the whole wad out and look at it. You condescend me on air. <laughs> but um, it was scary too. Like I couldn't get the first two episodes to work for whatever reason. So I started the third one and there were like gremlins chasing this guy and then they bit his finger off. Oh. <laughs> and then they showed them chasing him with the finger in his mouth. Oh. Uh-huh. And then they started trying to put chopsticks up his nose and I was like, I'm done. That sounds so painful. <laughs> I don't want to watch this. That <laughs> this is not cute. Sound painful. But the boy, um, I'd have to look up his name. Oh yeah, his name's John Louie. Oh, thank you. And he didn't really do a lot of movies. He became a doctor, but yeah. he came back to do a voice on the New Gremlins little cartoon. So I thought awesome. that was cool. That is then awesome. they have the one that's apparently coming out in what next year? This year? I don't know if they have. When I looked it up, I don't know if they had a date or anything so about just it. Rumored currently. Yeah, there's no updates really since 2020. When I looked it up the other day. It's supposed to be darker, and they question, should Gizmo be eliminated since the bad gremlins come from him? The most recent update on the movie came from Chris Columbus himself in 2020. This is from TheDirect.com. He said, I would love to do it. I wrote a script, so there's an existing script. We're working out some issues right now, so we're just trying to figure out the best time to make that film. I would still do it the same way. I would do it as tangible puppets, not CGI. Yes. I love that. They only had one stop motion scene in the first Gremlins, but he doesn't think he would use much CGI in Gremlins 3. And that made me go on a little adventure of what recent movies have there been that use like real puppets and not CGI. They have like that Guillermo del Toro. How do you say his name? Guillermo. Good. Yep. Uh, he did a Pinocchio and it was like real puppets. I watched a little. It was scary. Hmm. And then they had the Dark Crystal remake come out in like 2019, I think. Did you watch any of that? Nope. No. I watched part of the new one and I was like, the puppets suck. Like their faces don't move and stuff. Not good. Security was tight with the gremlins because there was no CGI at the time. The creatures were animatronic puppets, each of which took a major chunk out of the film's budget. Zach Galligan revealed that when leaving the set each night, security asked cast and crew to open their trunks of their vehicles to ensure they hadn't stolen any of the props. Mm. But I never did find how much they actually spent on those. A lot. Yeah, for real. Probably 10 million. Yeah. (laughs) Enough to where they're going to like fucking check everybody's shit before you leave. (laughs) I tried to look up if there was like, spoof porn you know since we what? were looking at sequels well like you know how they had like oh, edward yeah, yeah, yeah. I got edward you. penis hands yeah I, I watch out for another good one like that okay but uh i saw one picture of that little green lady one 
with stuff yes. happening and yes. that was all i looked at i was oh. like i'm out what little green lady the what? lady the pretty from part two lady Grimley. oh weird yeah yeah it was weird i was like uh you'll have to research this on your own because that was enough for me <laughs> so whenever uh joe dante was asked to direct this he was like down to his last little bit of money he had done the howling and they ran out of money to pay him mm-hmm. and closed the studio before they could pay him so he thought that the script was sent to the wrong address but steven spielberg was a really big fan of the howling joe dante just i thought this was funny he says he has no idea why this film was so successful and he prefers gremlins too hmm. how did i forget that 7.3 out of 10 <laughs> on imdb and jo- joelle what are you reading right now I downloaded like four different books. I got on this Facebook page that's like horror books and I don't want to read any of them, but I see people posting about how extreme they are. So then I have to like look them up. One I'm was, on a new zombie book. One was called Zola and it was like about cheese. Oh. And people were saying it was like the most vile book they've ever read. Cheese? Cheese? Like cheese. Yeah. I'm limited this, to what I, because when I read, it's usually right before bed and I'm not, I don't want to. I can't mm. read stuff like that anymore. Fuck no. But the guy in it is named Gordon Zola. Mm. And spelled. <laughs> so I don't know. Gordon maybe, Zola. It maybe, Sounds like a chef name. Like Gorgon, Gorgon Zola. Zola. Oh, I got you. <laughs> Fuck you, bitches. <laughs> All right. So 86% on the tomato meter and 78% audience score. The You're people welcome. like it. I didn't just look that up. Everything it's I cool. read, like they had really How great did I ratings. Forget that? I forget really important things sometimes. Uh, Siskel and Ebert. I was just about to ask what Ebert had to say. They said some things. Um, Ebert said he was delighted when they told the three rules because he knew they'd be broken right away, <laughs> and it would be fun to see them broken. They showed some clips, and I have to compliment them because they didn't show the gremlins at all. And he said, you're not going to see them on television, just like. <laughs> That's a good I, I fucking told you I was sick. Um, I'm going to leave that in there. It's your punishment for being sick. Okay. <laughs> They're not going to show it just like E.T. The only thing they showed you was the little finger coming around the corner. So I thought that was pretty cool. Part of the magic for me is the not knowing, you know, like that movie Nope. I was sure not to Google it when it came out. <laughs> it's a great one. I really like Nope. I loved it. Yeah, it was pretty good. They said, it's not cute like E.T. It's much darker, especially when that gremlin explodes in the microwave. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. He always loves the most fucked up shit. <laughs> he does. Did you read what he had to say about the 1950s? No. Thing? Okay, so I'm just going to tell you real fast because this truly gives you an insight into his bizarre ass brain okay so roger roger ebert uh gave three star review he singled out the scene where they're talking about um her dad Mm -hmm. in the chimney okay uh saying he loved it it was in the great tradition of 1950s sick jokes oh wow (laughs) right (laughs) i never heard that joke (laughs) like he's just into old school sick jokes isn't that weird that's hilarious it makes like but that's why he would like fucked up microwave scene 
I'm always surprised on their views of <laughs> right? where it's going to go. That's what I'm saying. Like when I read that, I was like, now his brain makes a little more sense to me because mm-hmm. it is just kind of everywhere. He comes out with some random fucking shit, but yeah. I get it a little bit now. Yeah. It's He's just fun. into old school sick shit. It's fun to go back and look at what they have to say. Yeah. Uh, the movie was rated PG. This was before PG-13. Uh, they had to do some things to keep it from getting the dreaded R. There's rumors that there's an R cut of the movie, but from what I read online, that's not true. But uh, we've got some some of those gory scenes later. Yeah, because there you were about. some scenes that they didn't shoot at all. So there was actually a lot of buzz surrounding Tim Burton after his success of Frankenweenie, which if you don't know, that was one of his I did short see films. It. Okay, I did too, actually. As a kid, I saw it. Yeah, so Spielberg had considered him to direct Gremlins, but the fact that Burton had yet to direct a feature film worked against him, and the gig was given to Joe Dante. A year later, Burton released his first theatrical feature, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I fucking love that movie. (laughs) That is like my top, my top movie. You're so ridiculous. (laughs) I'm serious. I cried a lot that day when I learned that Paul Rubens died recently. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not funny. I I might cry right now if I think how many times y'all know how much I cried as a kid. Oh, my God. A lot. Too many. My aunt said that she would come over and I'd watch it and then I'd want to watch it again. (laughs) Oh, my. It's special. Don't y'all have that special movie? Not Crystal. She's hard hearted. No. Yeah. For real. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Hers is Witchboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, are we going to get into 1984? Yeah. Uh, the year of my birth. Is it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize. And it was just my birthday recently. I'm 40. 40. 40. Happy birthday. Thanks. Yep. Happy birthday to you as well. Thank you. 29. <laughs> yeah. Not counting, but, you know, I'm the young one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll go with 29. So this is the year when Stranger Things 2 was set. You want to know what America was reading, Crystal? You can write them down. Yeah, let's go. And you can read them. The Hunt for Red October, Bright Lights Big City, The Witches of Eastwick, Ooh. and Iacocca. My dad read The Hunt for Red October. So did mine. I was about to say the same thing. Oh. They'll have to get together and talk about it. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> So, a popular game back then, a game show was Password. Okay. So, I thought I don't that, know if I know that one. You say, like, one word to try to get people to guess. Okay. So, we'll, we'll play that for a couple minutes Let's with go. the popular movies. All right. So, for an example, if I said monsters, Ink? creatures. Oh. Gremlins. Yep. All right. So, this list is from coolandcollected.com. All right. So, here's your clue. Heart. Are you kidding? Whip popular movies uh, from that time. indiana jones good oh we're doing movies i'm just like I the popular movies cool. from that time okay wax the witches of eastwick crane what kick karate kid yeah you got it oh good job bacon dance footloose good job slimer ghostbusters one. connor terminator Yes, Sarah Connor. Freddy. Nightmare on Elm Street. Empress. My brain went Mercury. 
never ending story <laughs> yep see y'all are good oh, at that it that is a good one i'll say y'all yeah yeah i'm not <laughs> one of us my brain does so the ones that, that i didn't have fast. clues for was a uh, 16 candles romancing the stone beverly hills cop police academy red dawn and of course gremlins oh i used to love you police said academy oh, oh i said it one. already oh my bad police academy was a good one yep uh some popular songs when doves cry that's a good one jump the heart of rock and roll sister christian purple rain eyes without a face thriller and round and round and round those are good i knew you were gonna sing it i wasn't gonna and then i decided i should most importantly though this is when the teenage mutant ninja turtles were first introduced as a comic yep apple computers famous ad 1984 launches the macintosh computer line Ooh. hulk hogan defeats the iron sheik to win his first world wrestling federation championship all right brother (laughs) what (laughs) michael jackson's hair catches fire while filming a pepsi commercial holy shit i didn't know that happened y'all don't remember that he got badly burned right yes uh this is when the mtv video music awards aired for the first time oh that's That's cool cool. that's when andy kaufman dies or does he (laughs) sony and phillips introduced the first cd players y'all want to guess how much they were 99.99 99.99 that's a good guess one thousand dollars that is not a good guess it's not <laughs> she even said 9.99.99 that was <laughs> way more than i thought yep this is when vanessa williams the first black miss america had to relinquish her crown due to some artsy nude photos mm, oh, i remember Lord. that scandalous really i don't truly remember it i just but rem- you kind of remember i yeah. kind of remember this is when Wendy's had us all asking, where's the beef? <laughs> this is when The Cosby Show, Night Court, Miami Vice, and V debut on primetime television. I don't know Prime. what V is. I spent Prime many time. hours with my mom on the couch watching several of those. Really? Yeah. Watch Night Court. Mm-hmm. I do like Night Court. I watched it when we lived in the camper recently. Because <laughs> 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 it would come on the cable. I think I remember you talking about it. This is when the Supreme Court rules five to four that private use of home VCRs to tape TV programs for later viewing does not violate federal copyright laws. And everybody was doing it. We had so many VHSs. (laughs) So to go back to Police Academy, Michael Winslow, the guy that made all the noises on Police Academy, he was used to help voice the gremlins. And then it just says he was better known as the guy who makes all the funny noises. On police he opinion. really is. I was thinking Winslow. I thought you were going to talk about Family Matters. No. <laughs> no. But when you said Police Academy, I was just like, oh, yeah, that guy from Police Academy. He also did some of the Gremlin yeah. things. Howie Mandel did some, too. Yeah. Yes, he did. And then there's the guy that did Stripe. I don't know why, but I find him really fucking annoying. That was his name. <laughs> Howie Mandel, not Gizmo. I wish Gizmo existed in real life. I'm sad that he doesn't. He's so cute. He is very cute. Oh, I don't, I don't have his name. Uh, some Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, you weren't watching these because you were only just born. Yep. I was four, so let's go. Let's go. Transformers. Oh, yep. I mean, I'll watch that later. Did Fraggle it. Rock. Mm-hmm. My, I love that. Inspector Gadget. Good yep. one. Voltron. Nope. Didn't I don't really. That. I don't. I don't, I don't think I watched that one. Dragon's Lair. Nope. Mm-mm. The Snorks. 
do know that I one. I think I know about it. Oh, yeah. They have the water. Yeah, they oh, have those yeah. things. And they have okay. bubbles coming out of their faces. Super friends. I remember that. And Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was a cartoon. I don't remember that. Popular. I used to watch Fraggle Rock in the mornings before school. Me too. Yeah. I liked it. Uh, popular toys for Christmas. Y'all want me to keep going? Mm-hmm. Cabbage Patch Kids. That trivial. Was my first guess. Really? <laughs> yeah. You about to say Trivial Pursuit? Let's go. Do you know what that is? Yeah. It's a fucking board game. <laughs> it's gotten a lot better. <laughs> of course I know what it is. The one with the little questions. Pizza slices? The pie, pie it's about trivia. Get out. <laughs> Get out of your own house. Transformers. G.I. Joe. Masters of the Universe. Some of the fashion. So this author, Christy Drozowski, her mother wrote these in her baby book. This was on Bustle.com. Shimmery leather mini skirts with spray tan on lotion. Gross. The muscle shirts like the wide kind, not the thin strap kind. Pinstripe baggy jeans, net shirts, and parachute pants. Pinstripe baggy jeans. I, I just, see that in my brain. This was notable enough to go in the baby book. Oh. Wow. Notable fashion. The Video Music Awards were hosted by Bette Midler and Dan Aykroyd. And the Video of the Year winner was The Cars, you might think. I, I, liked I like The Cars. That song. I don't know it. Uh, the Male Video of the I Year. Think I'm crazy. Oh, I definitely know it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the Male Video of the Year, David Bowie, China Girl. And Iggy Pop had to accept his award for him because I guess he didn't go. Mm. <laughs> he said, fuck it. Yep. And the best female video of the year was Cindy Lauper. Girls just want to have fun. Right into the movie. <laughs> right in. We're in it. The movie opens in an Asian American neighborhood. It reminds me of an old detective movie. The narrator is the dad character, Randall Pet- Peltzer, but he calls himself Rand. Again, I'm not big on nicknames. That was so annoying. <laughs> Did you think that Rand, I didn't like it at all. It's I don't like, like nicknames. Finish it. Randy or something. Say that just second syllable. Something. He says he's got a story that oh I can't do it. I'm sorry. You're gonna you're gonna say it like he said it. I'm trying. How did you spell this out? Story. S T O H R E E. Story. Story. I don't know. It made sense at the time. <laughs> it all started in Chinatown. You gotta stop with the accents. <laughs> he's an inventor trying to move some merchandise or find a Christmas present for his kid. And like while I was watching this, I was like, I wish I was going into this with no background knowledge or anything, because so far it does not set itself up to have these kooky, murderous dinosaur puppets right? <laughs> and an adult son. You think he's going to be a kid? He's a grown ass man. though. He was actually 19. Still a grown ass man. I don't know how old he was in the, supposed to be. 26. In real life, he was 19. 26. Still oh, no, no. In the movie, I'm not sure. But in the uh, script. Uh, that I yeah. read, he was supposed to be 26. Oh, got you. The script was good. You should read it. All right. I Someday when you have time, time in your life. life. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we first finished that the same. <laughs> Never have time in my life. So uh, I felt like he seemed kind of like a detective. He's following a kid to his grandfather's store. But the store is down a scary looking alley with stairs. I'm going to call them murder stairs. <laughs> I would not go. No, it's definitely one of them alleys you just avoid. Yeah. You yeah. don't you don't follow no. the kid down there. But there really is a store down there. The store is dark inside besides about 50 candles lighting it up. Mm-hmm. 
someone didn't pay the electric bill. Yeah. Lots of fire hazards, especially with grandpa's long hair and beard. So the dad in the movie is Hoyt Axton. He is Randall Peltzer. He was an actor and a composer. Did y'all know he was a composer? No. He improvised most of his lines for the movie. And I saw him listed on Forrest Gump, but for singing, not acting, he wrote that Joy to the World song. <gasps> Did he really? The Jeremiah was a yeah. bullfrog. He wrote that yeah. song? I think he wrote it. Dang. I know he performed it. I'm pretty sure he wrote it. That's pretty awesome. I like that one. It's a good song. That it was is. in um, Encino Man, Forrest Gump, The Big Chill. It's good. You got to go listen to it. And they also sampled one of his songs for that Praise You song by Fatboy Slim. Oh, Lord. Oh, okay. You know hey, it was about? really popular back then. Yeah. Yeah. So, Grandfather is smoking a long pipe and looking very uninterested in these goings-ons. Originally, he was in Hong Kong to buy the Mogwai and paid 100 American dollars. And the only rule that they gave was not to expose it to bright light. That's from the Gremlin script. It's at imsdb.com. You're going to get bored with how much I reference it because I was fascinated. His name in the movie is Mr. Wing. Mr. Wing. Yep. I think I called him grandfather the whole Played time. Played by, um, I don't know how to pronounce it. I mean, it's K-E-Y-E. Key Luke. Yeah. Is it still Key? I'm not sure. Kai? I don't know. Anyways. He died at the age of 86, but he was 79 in this movie. I saw that he lived to be 97. Oh, well, fuck that. I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) with my life. (laughs) That was on IMDb. Not positive that it was right, but that's what I saw. He was uh, also in Gremlins 2, and he had to be aged up because he had such good skin. They didn't think he looked old enough. Dude, he's drinking the water. But he was 79. That's cool. Originally, he got the Mogwai from Hong Kong, and they just ran him down the conveyor belt and put him on the plane and said your pet's gonna be fine yeah that was way before they started to really deal with like customs yeah (laughs) you could just do whatever you wanted take this on the plane what you brought over the border (laughs) on the plane he asks the stewardess what does mogwai mean you want to know guess what it means anybody i'm not gonna guess but i do want to know devil oh oh so, back to the original movie, though. Rand starts trying to sell them the bathroom buddy. Right off the bat, I would have turned it down. I don't need a buddy in the bathroom. No. Unless it's a bidet. I do want one of those. <laughs> I like bidets. So have you ever used one? Yep. Are they awesome? I read that they're awesome. They are. I love You them. can get one for like $30 on Amazon. Mm-hmm. The ones that just kind of adapt. I don't know what it does. Yeah. Spray. It's almost kind of like one of those little things you throw in the pond in the middle to make it spray water up It'll yeah work like that in your toilet yeah i need it <laughs> he shows off his invention it's got a toothbrush and mirrors and stuff my concern would be cleaning it i don't want that buddy he says it's great for traveling and he shows it off as grandpa stares straight forward the toothbrush sprays what looks like pea soup all over his shirt that does not deter rand though He still goes through his presentation, and he makes the illogical logical. Mm -hmm. We can hear a little cooing every now and then, and a random gong. He follows the noise to the back of the shop, where there are random animals like a tarantula, and he peeks in and finds something making super cute little noises and singing a song. Immediately, Dad wants to buy this creature and offers $100. The grandson looks awed by the amount, 
Before the grandfather can even answer, Rand offers him $200. So before you get too far, Mandel didn't sing Gizmo's song, though the song was written by Jerry Goldsmith, who hired a 13-year-old girl from his synagogue to sing it. That's pretty neat. That is kind of neat. It's a cute little song. So now Grandpa utters his first line. Sorry, Mogwai not for sale. He says with Mogwai comes much responsibility and he can't sell him for any price. The little boy tells him to wait outside and later brings him the creature. He says, what about your grandpa? The kid says, he's crazy. We need the money and then we are looking over Chinatown as we hear about the rules of the Mogwai. Oh, I wanted our Google department to see how much $200 was back in 1984 because oh. that's a lot of money. That's a great question. I'm guessing 400 I'm going to guess 600 $605.62. Yeah. What do you win? I don't know. No. So he paid $600. That's a, that's a, that's a Disneyland dad present. Yeah. I was waiting for that to get out. I couldn't. That's a, that's a, that's a, I was trying. I did. (laughs) So now we hear the rules. Keep him out of the light, especially bright light. He hates sunlight. Bright light, bright light. (laughs) It'll kill him. Keep them away from water. Don't get him wet. And the most important rule, the rule you can never forget, no matter how much he cries, no matter how much he begs, never feed him after midnight. So Zach Galligan was the first to point out that the don't feed after midnight rule is silly because it's always after midnight somewhere. Exactly. And then he said, well, we'll just make fun of that stuff in Gremlins 2 anyway. So director Joe Dante. I think that the worst rule is don't give him water. What happens when you feed them after midnight? They well, turn it? into the the bad ones. Like they were already bad, but then they transformed into like those shell things that birthed the really bad that's, ones. That's when he gets in water. No, that's no. when he ate the chicken. When they get in water, that's when they multiply. Yeah. Oh, okay. And okay. When, they when they eat, then they get, they, they turn get, into the bad ones. Yeah. Okay. But my question is. There's water in the air. Dude. There's <laughs> especially in Louisiana. It's especially here. We have a lot of gremlins. 98% humidity <laughs> and it's just like don't bring it outside. Well, and they also walk through the snow. Yeah. So that's that's water plot hole, you know. Yeah. I don't know. There's water in chicken too, right? Sure. <laughs> There's water and everything. Yeah. Unless you're frying it. Did you fry the water out? And then even if the midnight <laughs> say, can you fry the water out? I didn't even notice that. How do you fry the water out? I'm fucking with Joel. I think oh, frying. I was like, bro, are you kidding? Because I'm not had, paying attention? Because they had fried chicken and it's just like, she was like, there's water in chicken, but. I think if you fry water, it splatters. Just fry it out. Yeah. Doesn't it splatter For and burn real? you? Yes. Why are Cooking you smiling? 101. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, 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 wrong. You know wrong, what else? Wrong, wrong, wrong. It's five o'clock somewhere. That's that right. too, but that doesn't matter. I got some box wine. It doesn't matter because I'm, <laughs> I'm the one that said it. It would matter if she said it, but because I said it, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Wait, what? Because I said, what? <laughs> She's being facetious. Move on. Oh. She doesn't know what that means. <laughs> Sarcastic, right? Yes pretty much nope 
What's it mean? We're saying pretty much. Carry on. No. Read me the definition. Are you going to give her the Google definition? Give me the real definition. (laughs) Everything was all dark and kind of foggy. Now it's bright daytime with loud Christmas music. So this was supposed to make you think it's like A Wonderful Life, the movie. And if you didn't catch that, they even worked in some clips of the movie and it was still over my head. The internet told me this. (laughs) We see a giant billboard with Rockin' Ricky Rialto. And he looks like Indiana Jones on purpose. Yes. Because it says he whips out the oldies on the radio. <laughs> and hardy, hard, you know, <laughs> they had made Indiana Jones facetious, treating serious issues with deliberately inappropriate humor. Flippant. Flippant. I like that word. Flippant. Facetious. <laughs> Both of them. Facetious so, makes me think of fish. To uh, address the no bright lights rule, one of the reasons for the no bright lights rule was that in 1984, director Joe Dante and Amblin could not completely navigate the perilous waters of special effects for the gremlin puppets. By keeping them in the dark, this camouflaged this problem. This is an old sci-fi trick. Dante did the same thing with the tricky and lumpy practical effects for the howling three years earlier and they kept the monsters in the dark to hide special effect problems i think that was a good choice because when i watched the new dark crystal it was real bright and high def and it looked like shit (laughs) (laughs) so they need to take a lesson from them on how to do puppets in the dark yeah for real so rockin ricky rialto that is don Steele. he died at 97 in nope in 97 (laughs) At 61. He was gotcha. one of the most famous disc jockeys. We've done this before. Him? This podcast. We've done a podcast before. I promise. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Maybe. So this town is what dreams are made of, or at least it is for people who don't experience snow. We're lucky if we get some mush every 15 years here. And I hate it. Every minute of it. Do you remember the last time it snowed? I remember the ice like and a few that years was ago. terrible. Yeah. But yeah, it was a few years ago. Dude. It's it, enough to get me excited and then I'm over it in like 10 minutes and I move on. I and the rest of the day, it. it pisses me off. Percy enjoyed that so much. Oh my gosh. Our dogs so loved it. She was just running. Yes. Like she had the zoomies. It was the cutest Our thing. donkeys. Everybody yeah. was playing the in donkeys. the snow. I miss the donkeys. Like I woke up. We all knew it was going to snow. And I woke up and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go look at this snow. But you have like really low hopes of like you know tiny bit of snow it's gonna be gross slush no it was amazing i like started screaming that's what you assume yeah i called everyone i knew it was like three o'clock in the morning (laughs) and everybody was already outside probably about every single time it's snow i've gone woken up the kids at like ridiculous hours because i'm just like you're gonna miss it yeah if you (laughs) don't get up now everyone (laughs) i called was awake like i called my mom i I probably called y'all probably I have seen. Is that, that. a tambourine? No. It's a cat exercise wheel. <laughs> oh. They run enough. They run amok. Get it, and I want to see the. You need to get that and set up a camera and make them a li- a YouTube live. Mm. Are you picking out cat toys right now? Yes. <laughs> we have enough to start a circus. It's your part. You okay. need to do. <laughs> you need to do those things on the wall. Where, like, you have shelves on the wall for the cat. Yeah, I've seen that. I don't trust our walls. And little no. ladders. Our walls as are As soon as we own a house. I'll tell you how you do it. You want to know how you do it? Hmm. 
No. Command strips. Got you. Her and her fucking <laughs> command strips. Get out of here. So Back the, to the movie. So the kids are all running around in the snow playing, and then the school bus pulls up. I can see it already. This is a very happy town, and nothing, literally nothing, could get to them. Oh, my God. Those kids were fucking feral. <laughs> they were. Like, I even wrote it in my notes. Unsupervised children running feral. You use the word feral, like, too much. You got to come up with another enough. word, because they're not feral. Give us some synonyms. They they're were, not wolf children. They were bad kids. That, us, that means that they're bad, not that they're feral. Give they're us some synonyms for and feral. unsupervised. We're fucking brats. Oh, okay. Wild is a good one. I think feral sounds better. It might sound better, but it doesn't fit better. I want this argument to continue. Please cut this out. <laughs> Can I not? <laughs> leave, please leave it in there. I'm sorry. I'm stupid. I'm sorry. So I saw there was a sign for arcade games and it really bothered me because it was missing the A on arcade. <laughs> and I had to I had to pause it and go back because it bothered me so much I had to make sure it was real. Dude, there's this place in San Antonio where you can just go play uh what games are those the, the ding 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 the things on the pinballs. Sides. Pinballs. Pinball. <laughs> it's full of fucking pinball games. Do you have to pay for them? Well, yeah. I think it'd be more fun if they were free. Oh my god. <laughs> they have a place in Louisiana <laughs> that's supposed to have like the biggest um arcade setup. They're expensive. I tried to find well, one for closer. Justin. Yeah. You can just like go in there and play all the old arcade games. Old school. Old school. Back in the day. That's just third reference. (laughs) So a cop comes around looking at trees and runs into, I guess, a child that is literally dressed like a tree using using the parts of a tree. It's pretty clever. Now we see Zach Galligan, Billy, and his cute little red beetle bug car with his cute little doggy inside. And he is cute, too. Everything is cute. Super cute. This car's a piece of shit. Is it cute? It won't even start. (laughs) Is it cute? (laughs) So in the script, he is described as follows. Billy is, well, this is like the original script, not, this is like before the they really rewrote it. Billy is 26 years old. His sturdy build and good looks are buried beneath wire-rimmed glasses, <laughs> slicked dirty blonde hair, a red sweater vest, a loose-fitting checkered shirt, baggy corduroys, and worn loafers. He was also reading a dog-eared copy of The Once and Future King. So they wanted him to look like Superman's alter ego? I guess. That's what it sounds like. You're very good at visualizing from that. Yeah, Yeah. that sounds right. All right. Billy is having car trouble. Not cute. (laughs) I'm pretty positive this is the dog in the Grinch with Jim Carrey. So Zach Galligan, 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 Galligan. Not that Galligan. How do you say it? I gotta see how it's spelled. <laughs> You're looking just say Galligan. Galligan. He was born it's on Galligan. Valentine's Day, so it's about to be his birthday. Oh, that's sweet. He was in Waxwork one. That was a good movie. That was two. I liked it. And three. Is that? I didn't get that far. House of Wax is different. Different. Yeah, that is different. Yep. It's what was Waxwork? Waxwork. They go to a wax museum, and it's a creepy little dude and a super tall guy, right? Yep. And uh, so their displays, if you go over the rope, you go into the display and it becomes live. <gasps> oh, I want to watch that. That sounds cool. <laughs> it was actually really good. Yeah. They had three of them, so. 
I never got to the third one. He has an upcoming movie called Reaper's Night with Malcolm in the Middle and Rufio. You know who Rufio is, right? Malcolm in the Middle. Freddie. Frankie. Frankie oh. Eunice. Freddie. I was Frankie like, Eunice. that's a person? <laughs> Malcolm in the Middle? That's a person. I don't know these days. It could be. <laughs> it could be. Kendra from Girls Next <gasps> Door is also in it. On the Roku channel. What Waxwork? Is? Yes. Oh, oh. Cool. Can that be on the Valentine's list? That is not no. a Valentine's movie. <laughs> so you don't want to miss this one. Cyborg 3, The Recycler. Prepare <laughs> yourself for the all-too-deadly future. Cash, the heroine of Cyborg 2. What, what is she doing with her fucking face right now? <laughs> Being animated. Cyborg. It sounds good, right? <laughs> I do like it. I love it. Cyborg. <laughs> Dinner and a show. Let's go. Cyborg 2 is living in the free zone. But not for long. Biomechanical problems are taking down her systems, and a visit to the doctor in Silica confirms her worst fears. She is more than a marvel of cyborg technology. She is the first of her kind to become a creator. She is pregnant. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. My brain is struggling to keep up right now. Okay, so first you want to watch Cyborg 2. Wait. Two companies battle. That might have been Cyborg 1. No, that was Cyborg 3. Wait. Okay, so I have to watch these out of order? Yeah, so the one I just read was Cyborg 3. Uh-huh. This is about Cyborg 2. Two companies battle for cyborg domination. One is built a cyborg, which is Angelina Jolie. Of course. So human that they hope she'll get into the competition's headquarters and explodes. But she escapes with her human martial arts instructor. What year did that come out? 1993. Mm, sounds like it. <laughs> you don't want to know about. You said Angelina Jolie. I was like, they were trying really hard to get somebody to watch this movie. Crystal's looking it up right now. No, I'm not. Oh, he was also in Hellraiser 3. Hell on Earth. Mr. Butterman pulls up in his tractor. They call it a snowplow. He's got a lot to say about foreign things. Doesn't he? <laughs> it's funny, though, because, you know, Gizmo is foreign. And he causes yeah. a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. He asks if they need help. Mr. Futterman is Dick Miller. He and Corey Feldman were both in The Burbs and Gremlins and Gremlins 2. He passed away in 2019. He was also in The Terminator. And according to IMDb and his trivia, it said that he was in every Joe Dante film and TV show cool so billy talks to mr futterman about his comic strip and the neighbor is really nice they are really setting up this cute little neighborhood the scene ends with mr futterman saying one more fussy thing about foreign cars we pass a movie theater that is playing a boy's life so a boy's life was the fake name they used to ship et to theaters <laughs> yeah so that was a cool little reference that's cool Zach jogs to work with his doggy in tow. We pass a Montgomery Wards and a Burger King. He works at a bank. Wow. They even let you bring your dog to work. <laughs> so <laughs> they had some ashtrays on the wall. I bet it was smelling real bad back then. But you probably didn't even notice. Probably just smell like my dad's house. <laughs> we see now after he rushes to work, his name is William Peltzer. He puts Wee out his... <laughs> He puts his nameplate out upside down and clips on his tie. He's fancy. And now we see Snotface for the very first time. She is so super cute and she wants him to sign a petition about the bar to make it a landmark. He looks smitten with her. 
In the script, she was described as Tracy. Why did you call her snot face? You don't know? Drop Dead Fred? Oh, yes. I was she like, she's is snot, snot face. face. Okay. <laughs> You're I so cute. It. I got the reference now. Why did you call oh, her to, snot face? To go back and reference your E.T. bullshit yes. that you said? Okay. So this is the first film to Fucking rude. feature <laughs> Spielberg's. I don't know what it was. It's all bullshit. That's what I say. To feature Spielberg's ET themed logo for Amblin Entertainment. Wait, what? Do you remember the little ET logo? Was it like a moon? Yeah, and had a little bike and the ET. Oh yeah, 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 the, yeah, yeah. So this but was the first movie. Yeah, this was the first movie where they used that logo. They didn't use it in ET. Mm-mm. What? Mind blown. <laughs> right? That's like the mandala effect. Ma- yeah. Mandala effect. Yeah. How do you say it? However you want to say it. My mind is blown. I can't even talk. Yeah, because they didn't really become a thing till after. <gasps> yeah, I know. I'm amazed. Yep. So Phoebe Cates is snot face. She was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Drop Dead Fred. That was the last acting gig that I saw that she did. She retired from filmmaking. Phoebe Cates was a controversial casting as Kate, given the sweet demeanor required as Kate. Her infamous topless scene in Fast Times at Ridgemont High gave the studio pause about putting her in the lead. Too risque. Too risque for the Grimlands. She's really cute and sweet looking, though. Oh, yeah, for real. She pulls it off. Very girl next door. Yes. Yeah. That is my favorite. Oh, so you like her? Yes. <laughs> Here comes old Miss Deagle with a frosty head. She looks looks just as mad as she did in Mrs. Doubtfire shooing those pesky animals out of her yard. She's such a creature. In the script, they described her as Mrs. Deagle had bleached hair and her husband managed the sparkle market. She's an elderly woman, a real prude, tight lips, heavy makeup, cheap fur coat. They didn't even bother giving her a husband in the movie. They just gave her a bunch of fucking cats. Yeah, he was dead. They had his picture all over the wall. Oh, okay. And all her cats were named after different types of money. Oh, I know. I looked them all up. Fucking (laughs) drachma. Because my ADHD brain was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? I I didn't even notice. It's in my notes. Oh, I can't wait to hear. Okay. They got to show us how awful this lady is. She was really fun to hate. As she's walking, someone stops to tell her good day. And she says, what's good about it? (laughs) Just to drive the point home what a piece of crap she is, a lady with two kids stops Mrs. Deagle. She's talking about how her husband got a new job and she needs more time to pay the rent. Miss Deagle says she's just like the bank. They're not here to support deadbeats. If this isn't bad enough, the kids cough and the lady says, but it's Christmas. This mean old bat says, now you know what to ask Santa for. Bitch. I think she was asking for like $36. Was that it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So she goes into the bank and marches to the front of the line, cutting in front of everyone and tells Billy about her imported snowman and how broken it is. She doesn't want money. She wants his dog, just like the Wicked Witch. That's what she sounds like, too, when she says it. And her little dog, too. I wonder if they did that on purpose. (laughs) They make her the worst. She says if the kennel doesn't put him to sleep, she's going to put him in her spin dryer. You're an instant villain if you (laughs) hate animals. Oh, yeah. I think that's why they do that. 
And she's not even just, well, she likes cats. Mm, does she? <laughs> I don't know. The guy behind her says, that'll do it. <laughs> he must rent from her and he's got to suck up. So Barney the dog proceeds to untie himself, jump over the counter and break the rest of the snowman, knock her down and bite her on the arm. And here we see Gerald, who is played by Judge Reinhold. He and the other bank guy fuss at Billy and they say this is a bank, not a pet store. Gerald is not real fun. I bet he poops at parties for sure. (laughs) Deagle calls his dad a loser and then cries about her heart being weak. And Gerald calls Billy a putz. So Polly Holiday is Mrs. Deagle. She was Jill's mom on Home Improvement and the neighbor on Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, she was mad mad. She was mad. She's good at playing that. Yeah. Judge Reinhold is playing Gerald Hopkins. He was in the Santa Claus 1, 2, and 3, Beverly Hills Cop 1, 2, 3, and the TV movie Beverly Hills Cop. But that one didn't have Eddie Murphy (laughs) for some reason. (laughs) Upcoming, they have a new Beverly Hills Cop coming out in 2024 with Kevin Bacon and Eddie Murphy. I saw when I was Googling him, he had a problem with TSA at the airport and he ripped off his shirt and screamed at them. And I mean, who hasn't wanted to do that when they're traveling? And he passed by the reporters and he told them, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for the exposure. And it made me laugh. (laughs) He had to issue an apology for it. He seems like a good guy. I looked at his Instagram. He only has 5,000 followers and his account is very active. That's about 5,000 more than me. Yep, I messaged him and he called me on the phone. Oh, that's so cool. You guys had a conversation. I love that. I love that for you. It's great. So now we're at a bar. Billy is drawing Mrs. Deagle as a dragon. It's a really great drawing. And Gerald enters. You have 577 followers. Like, I don't post anything on Instagram. I'm boring. Well, you need to start posting so people know all about us. We have our own friends off topic Instagram, do we not? I don't post on it. <laughs> no, I do sometimes. Fucked up. I think I post reels on there. Are it's hard to keep up. <laughs> I'm not in charge of the Instagram. She does the TikTok. Did you make a a, a TikTok? No, yet? because every time I try to open and and make a video, you guys both look at me like I'm dumb because oh, it makes it noise. Screams. Yeah, you got to be sneaky. Okay. So meow. He was showing. <laughs> he was showing his dragon drawing to uh mr jones who is chuck jones the cartoon artist of looney tunes and merry melodies uh the movie playing on the screen behind them was called for sentimental reasons and gerald lets us know that he almost got fired but the boss felt sorry for him and gerald has on this weird coat with a fur lapel gerald is a fucking douche canoe he is i thought he was going to be in the movie more i'm glad he wasn't i wish did we get to see him die Nope. Well, I don't that's think so. real stupid. <laughs> he lets us know he's 23. And by the time he's 30, he's going to be a millionaire. Ooh, Good to know. Cool. He also tells us how sad it is that Billy has to support his whole family. He tells Billy that he needs to be tough. And Billy says, oh, no one's tougher than you, eh? We see Phoebe Cates is at her second job. Gerald tries to ask her out. He's got a new apartment that she hasn't seen yet. She's really great with her reply, and she says, oh, I haven't seen your old apartment. Uh, (laughs) Stupid. Clearly, she's not into him. He even bugs her about his cable, and it doesn't work. At one point, Gerald orders a vodka martini, and he says, shake, don't stir. 
they were trying to get him to say it like a James Bond thing, but he kept messing up the line and could Idiot. never get it out. <laughs> Shake, don't stir. And bitch. <laughs> it's fucking shaken, not stirred. He could never get it, and they left it in because it made him look like it's more of an idiot. Not even that hard. Like, You're so dumb. We're just gonna let you be shake. Dumb. Don't stir. <laughs> and we learned that she's working there for free. What a nice girl. Jesus. Billy arrives home. It's a beautiful house. Very cozy. There are some swords on the wall that fall down every time someone closes the door. And I think that was a callback to the original script because Dory, the bar owner, originally owned a three-story antiques store instead of a bar. And Billy is really into knights. He's buying a replica sword from him and writing a book about knights instead of a comic book. And the sword is basically a main character of the movie. All right. So they need to do that. They need to I remake. thought they just had him there to have a reason to have swords in the house so he has it later to Might kill be. a gremlin. Might I don't be. know. That'd be from the original one. I don't know. <laughs> it was interesting. It is interesting. We hear his mom calling from the kitchen. She's watching this little black and white TV with the little clicky dials. Uh, her description from the original script. Billy's mother, 53 years old, slightly heavy, well-dressed, styled brown hair. A pretty woman. Here's a little more about her. She hears Billy enter. She quickly pops a volume from a small pill bottle. She calls to her son. And the mom is so sweet in the original storyline. They want him to stay with them so he can write his book and not struggle like they did. And she thinks the book will be a success. She's in another movie that I can't place right now, but she's like covered in blood. I might have it written down. I wrote down a couple of them. I she think was that 39 in this movie. The mm. lady that actually played the part. Um, I think if they remade it like the original script with Ryan Reynolds, they would do really well with the sword and everything. Possibly. It became just as Deadpool. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, She also pops three volumes by the end of her opening scenes in the original script. That's Oh, I was like, I didn't see that. I just wanted to know why she was cutting so many onions. Every time they show her, she's popping a volume. Is it? What is it? So many. Why are you cutting? We were talking about that. I was like, how many fucking onions is she she cutting? Oh, maybe I did write that down. Like, why do you have that many? I do have that. Mom is cutting a lot of onions. (laughs) So many. So you have so much. What are you going to do with We use onions for just about everything but I'm not using one. that many. I use one onion maybe, maybe half she, of one. I've made French onion soup and you don't use that No. Many. Maybe the, she just our, freezes them. Some of our every plate recipes sponsor alert <laughs> they call for like two onions but nope. one is always like enough. enough. If you mm-hmm. put two in then it's just like too much. Yeah. yeah. I've done that with food before and it's too many. He's such a good son. He comes right in and asks her if she needs any help. She asks him to do the eggs. And in a minute, we see his cool little egg gadget with the chicken head. His dad made this gadget and it clucks. We're finding out that dad's machines are not that great. Mom is Frances Lee McCain. She was on an episode of Better Call Saul. This comes up later. She was in Scream. I don't remember her. She was Mrs. Riley. Mm-mm. And Back to the Future. She's also in our next movie. Footloose? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Her trademark was that in the 80s and 90s, she played the mom to a lot of teenagers. I saw a note that she said at a Comic-Con in 2022 that she did not enjoy acting with Corey Feldman. He's a tool. Mm. 
She was, but he was like a kid. It was this movie and Stand by Me that he was she was probably in old with him. then too. Yeah, dude, he was probably a brat. Wasn't then. he on drugs and shit back then? Probably. Yeah, I want to say he was. And Phoebe like, Cates was, and Corey Feldman share a birthday. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. He was when is Richard. it? You know, around One that of those time. Days. <laughs> you don't know. I have days. a note. July sixteenth. Oh, coming up. Yeah. Add in, it to your calendar. Four months. It's it's coming up. Uh, Mom is worried about Mrs. Deagle, she says, but dad's home. We know because we hear the sword fall and he's singing Christmas songs. She's real happy now. Her and Billy also have the same haircut. Did you see that? (laughs) Wow. Such a nice family. Everyone gathers at the door to greet dad as he comes home. Dad's got a present that can't wait till Christmas. Is it a birdcage? A puppy? A new car? A bathroom buddy? He gets mom to dim the lights. She uses this big remote control with a giant antenna to do it. And it's hilarious. (laughs) And Gizmo is unveiled. He pops out and right back in. Mom is so fucking cute. He is. Mom has to hold on to the dog. I'm pretty sure that dog thought this was a real animal. Oh, for sure. You want to know the dog's real name? Hmm. Mushroom. Cute. It is cute. Uh, Mom holds the dog and... I think that what was the dog's name in the movie? Barney. Barney. Yeah. yeah. Dad says it's new, your new pet. And we hear Gizmo's little song and he pops out sniffing around. He's so cute. Billy picks him up and snuggles him. And it's very cute. It's cute. Dad says he calls him Gizmo. Mom busts out the Polaroid because you gotta. And Gizmo cries and looks terrified and it hurts my soul. <laughs> Dad retells the rules. And now we're in Billy's room. He has a huge bedroom. Gizmo is singing to him and they're playing the keyboard. And he puts a little Santa hat on Gizmo. And he shows him with the mirror, but it gets reflected in his eyes. Things are not boding well for the rule following already. Billy brings him to the bathroom to get him a Band-Aid. I thought he was going to fall in some water. I don't know what the point of the bathroom scene was. Everyone goes to bed and it's very cute. I'm guessing he must have blocked all of his windows. <laughs> or he lives in the basement, but I'm pretty sure no, he lives he's in the attic. attic, right? I think the window he has in there is really small, though, because his room's always just kind of... Kind of dark. Cavey. That makes sense. Now, it's morning time, and we're in the kitchen. Billy is eyeballing the Peltzer pulverizing citrus juice machine. He drops in an orange, and it goes well until gallons of juice explode out of it. I loved it. Okay, that one orange would not hold that much juice. <laughs> it just kept pouring out. It like It's not lot. like he kept putting oranges in. It just kept pouring out. It was gallons. Like, goopy. It yeah. was weird. I thought it was very funny how... That was with all it the did pulp. Not, yeah, it did not <laughs> like, go at all to make sense. He doesn't want to even use anything in his house, probably. Mm-mm. Uh, so Joe Dante still owned this pelver, pelzer, pelzer pulverizing citrus, mm-hmm. and he listed it for sale. I could only find it on OpenSea.io. This is above my knowledge of technology. <laughs> um, it was bought by Murray Mogwai for 2.85 West. I had to talk to my cousin to understand any of this. Of course, his last name would be Mogwai. It's like (laughs) an online name. Oh, I got you. Uh, Explain like NFTs to me. Mm -mm. Do y'all know anything about that stuff? He said that that was about $6,000. To make that machine? No, what he bought it for. And I couldn't really understand Mm. if it was, um, I said it was $6,000. 
And I could never understand if he really bought the thing or if he just bought some digital thing for it. It's weird. Hmm. So I tried to tell people about it. Never know. Now a walking Christmas tree arrives. Forgot all about him. Corey Feldman looks to be about eight years old, but it turns out. As soon as I saw him, I was like, I forgot he was even in this movie. I did too. If you want to know more about him, go listen to our Lost Boys episode. The kitchen is covered in pulp, and the Christmas tree suggests that they should buy OJ in cartons. Gizmo is watching TV. I guess the light from that doesn't bother him. (laughs) The movie he's watching is To Please a Lady from 1950 with Clark Gable. He's really enjoying the movie. Billy and Feldman go upstairs and hide the Christmas tree suit, and he shows him his new pet. No one is freaking out about this brand new species. They just say, oh, cool. What's his name? Right. And... Corey Feldman spills water all over him. Gizmo screams in pain and it's sad and a little furry ball pops off of him. It quickly grows into four more balls that pop off of him. It's more Mogwai. So according to the Mogwai Wikipedia, Mogwai are, this is uh, according to Chinese tradition, Mogwai are certain demons which often inflict harm on humans. They are said to reproduce sexually during mating seasons, triggered by the coming of rain. Supposedly, they take care to breed at these times because rain signifies rich and full times ahead. The term mo derives from the Sanskrit word meaning evil beings, literally death, in Hinduism and Buddhism. Mara faces, determines fates of death and desire that tether people to an unending cycle of reincarnation and suffering. He leads people to sin, misdeeds, and self-destruction. Meanwhile, guai does not necessarily mean evil or demonic spirits. Classically, it simply means deceased spirits or souls of the dead. Nevertheless, in modern Chinese, it has evolved to refer usually to the dead spirits or ghosts of non-family members that may take vengeance on living humans who caused them pain when they were still living. It is common for the living to redress their sins by sacrificing money to the guai by burning usually fake paper banknotes so that the guai can still have funds to use in the afterlife. So I was wondering if Mogwai had any kind of lore Meaning. that was really tied to yeah. anything. Demons? Yeah. Gotcha. So creature creator Chris Wallace used balloons as the secret VFX ingredient when the new Mogwai popped out of Gizmo's body. And again, to explode the gremlin in the microwave. Mm-hmm. It kind of made me think, what was it, poppables? Not, or pop- popples. popples. I had popples. That's what it kind of made me think of at first when they were just popping oh, out like those. that. Because you remember the ones yeah, where you, you would pop roll out all up. the little ones, though? No. Like they had the little ones I'm going to Google them, though. Yeah. They had, like, baby ones. What's happening over there? I don't know. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So, this happening made me want to know what creatures can grow from pieces of another one. Uh Uh-huh. This is called fragmentation. Creatures that reproduce from fragmentation from their body parts. That is seen in organisms such as spirogyra, spirogyra, I don't know. Filamentous cyanobacteria, molds, lichens, sponges, flatworms, and some annelid worms. You say lichens? Yeah. Like a fucking werewolf? Lichens? L-I-C-H-E-N-S. <laughs> lichen? What is like that? The That's like the that, stuff that grows on trees. Yeah. Lichen. 
Yeah. Called lichens? Yeah. Okay. You're, it's like that's that like a li- like, lycanthrope. That's a yeah. That's yeah, a werewolf. that's something different. What now, you're what talking you about is like it's kind of like slime. It's kind of like it's kind of like fungus. Yeah, on a tree. Yeah. Okay. Lichens, but I think it's not. Deer, saying it sounded, but it's not a. Mu- sounds like a werewolf. I think deer eat it. Fungus among us. So now Corey says, "Can I have one?" Fuck oh, no, dude, that one has a stripe on its head, and it tries to bite him when he goes to pet it. Now we see Rand is working on something and making a mess. He improved the bathroom buddy and put a razor in it. Billy tries it out and it sprays him with toothpaste. He lets dad know that the mogwai multiply with water. And now we see all the cute little mogwai decorated with tinsel and playing a teeny tiny video game of Donkey Kong. That's the thing that I put on our uh, Friends Off Topic Facebook. Oh, cool. Like a gif of it? Yep. Is that how you say it? Yep. Yep. Gif. Gizmo is alone, not with the other Mogwai, and he's playing a little tiny trumpet. Stripe seems to be the leader of the new group. Dad sees every kid would want one of these, and these could replace dogs. One of the Mogwai vomits some brown stuff on the carpet, and realistically, this is what the new pet is going to get you. Vomit and a mess to clean up. Dad's thinking, this is the one, the big one, the Peltzer pet. Now Billy and Gizmo are asleep and Barney is whining. All the little mogwai are tucked in really cute. And we find out poor Barney is tied up in Christmas lights outside. So originally the creatures killed him and ate Barney the dog. Yeah, I did read that that was one of the... I'm glad that they didn't. um, That was one of the scenes that was deleted. Dad's working on his gadgets. One looks like a hammer with some juice and the other is a fly swatter with some finger rippers in the middle. I don't know how they could have used this even for the one shot. It looked really dangerous. They think maybe it was Mrs. Deagle that hurt Barney. Mom is making coffee with one of Dad's inventions. Uh, The hot liquid would be a definite no from me with one of his inventions. Next to it on the counter was an artichoke hooked up to some electricity. (laughs) I don't know what that was supposed to be. And now we see Billy is at school with a mogwai for Mr. Hanson to check out. He immediately shows the teacher how it multiplies which seems like a very bad idea. Mr. Hansen is in shock and awe. He leaves one of the mogwai there for the teacher. Phoebe is closing up shop and sending Mr. Mr. Dory home. He's discussing gremlins and planes. Not Mr. Mr. Dory. Mr. Futterman. Phoebe is closing up shop and sending Mr. Futterman home. He is discussing gremlins and planes. So he drove the tractor to the bar, I guess. Yeah. That was interesting. She tells him that he needs to walk home. And I thought that was funny because his neighbor, Billy, is standing right there with her yeah. and didn't <laughs> offer to drive him home. Apparently, everything in this town's within walking distance, though. <laughs> that makes sense. So, Kate suggests that Billy walk her home. Billy walks Kate home past carolers, and they are talking about how Mr. Futterman lost his job. Billy says he thought everyone was happy during the holidays. Kate tells him that most people are, but some aren't. This man lives in, like, la-la land. I know. I was like, isn't it nice to remember being naive and not knowing about sad stuff? Still living with your parents at 20-something years old? Yeah. I don't know that life. (laughs) She says, when most people are opening up their presents, some are opening up their wrist. This got really that dark. That was bleak. Really fucking fast. I was oh. like, I gotta put the suicide hotline in right there. The 988 number. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. 
That's it. Oh. <laughs> what is the number? 988. That's it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like 911 if you feel... 988. Suicidal yep. or know someone. All right. She goes on to say the suicide rates are always the highest during the holidays. Billy smiles and says, now I'm depressed. No shit, right? That's right. Billy goes on to ask Kate if she ever gets depressed around the holidays. Kate tells him, I don't celebrate Christmas. He says, what? Are you Hindu or something? Kate walks ahead saying, no, I just don't like to. I feel like he should have known the past. They're like in a small small town. town. Yeah, that's going to be the talk of the town. (laughs) Yeah. Billy wants to know what's to like. It's fun. Oh, what's not to like. It's fun. Kate turns around and tears into Billy. Apparently, she's gotten a lot of shit for disliking Christmas. She says everyone makes her feel like a leper. First time I ever heard the word actually in my life was when she said that word. Really? Not ever in my life. Like the first time I watched the movie, I remember that being the first time I ever heard that word. Oh. Yeah. And then I had to go figure out what it was. But, you know, I had to go look in the encyclopedia. Yeah. I noticed that he had really perfect teeth. Of course. He had like 2015 teeth and it's like (laughs) 1984. Kate apologizes saying she's a little tired and cranky. Poor girl swinging two jobs. She thanks Billy for walking her home, but before she goes inside, he asks if she has any nights off from dairies. Kate tells him Thursdays. After he fumbles through a run-on sentence, Billy finally asks Kate out on a date. She replies, I'd love to, and Billy almost jumps out of his skin. He continues to babble about talking about her on the phone, squaring things away, and Kate smiles, telling Billy night. Does she go on to talk about her dad in later? Later. Yes. Okay. I, I thought so. I was like, this isn't when she talks about all that. No, not yet. Okay. It's in a weird spot when they do. Yeah. Back in the laboratory, Mr. Hansen is approaching the Mogwai with a syringe. Like, did he, did Billy even tell him the rules? I don't remember Billy telling him the rules. He had the food kind of away from it. Yeah. He didn't feed it on purpose. I would he, hope so. Yeah. He extracts blood from the Mogwai and lies when he tells that poor little guy that it's not going to hurt. I wrote that down, too. I said, he lied. (laughs) Billy is back in his attic bedroom watching a movie with Gizmo. And the box of bad gremlins uh, works on... Oh, wow. The box of bad gremlins. Or the... Say it all again. Billy is back in his attic bedroom watching a movie with Gizmo and the box of bad gremlins. He's working on a drawing of Kate. You just say gremlins. Yeah. What'd you call them? She said bad gremlins. Like I said the box of bad gremlins. Oh. The bad batch is going nuts in the box and Billy asks them what their deal is. He's already fed them. He looks over and sees that it's not 12 yet and asks Gizmo to watch over the brood while he leaves to gather a snack. The gremlins quietly watch Billy leave, then gather to converse amongst themselves. Ugh. I don't know what just happened there. Billy goes down and grabs an entire plate full of uncovered chicken from the refrigerator. It looked raw to me. Who does that? (laughs) Who just fries up all that fucking chicken piles it on a plate and then sticks it in the fridge uncovered Unsealed. oh it wasn't covered no just a plate i do that chicken. if i'm gonna eat it that day yeah but not like 
Not for nighttime. No. Maybe. Surely that was not before Tupperware. They had Tupperware. Yeah. I don't know. He returns to his room, setting the plate down on into the box. My face made the same face as Gizmo's as he looks over them all eating ravenously. It was gross. Billy offers Gizmo some chicken, but he politely declines. He He's probably so good. no longer has an appetite after watching them fuckers eat. Now in Dexter's laboratory, we see Mr. Hansen still busy at work while he snacks on a ham and cheese sandwich. Hansen ends up calling it a night and grabs a bag of chips before he goes. Did you see the brain on the table next to him? The brain? Yeah, there was like a brain. I was just more concerned about, I think he was eating just tortilla chips straight out the bag. Mm. Like no dip or nothing. That's how you like them. Oh, no, I like them with dip, but I'll eat them straight out of the bag, too. Mm. I like chips. We got some cantina-style ones the other day, and they were really Just lick good. the salt off. And <laughs> That's what you're doing. Or give no. it to the dogs. <laughs> I'm bigger now. I just eat them. Okay. <laughs> he ends up leaving a sandwich behind, and the cage mogwai in the lab starts eyeing it with intent. He's able to slide it towards the cage off camera, and the scene ends with gobbling noises. The clock in Billy's room still shows 11.35 when he lays down next to Gizmo to watch a little TV before the, they both fall asleep. Now the next morning, Gizmo is peering over the side of the bed saying, uh-oh, and Billy is calling for his mom to come up here, please. The camera starts to pan around the room. The box is full of clean chicken bones, but empty of gremlins. On the side of the box, it looks like a slimy, skeletal, alien creature, devoid of life. Once Mom makes it up the stairs, we get a better view of what looks like alien pods or X-Sacs. Mom asks... a lot like alien pods. Yeah. Mom asks, what are they? Billy hunched down over to these creatures and says, they're the Mogwai, I guess. Except for Gizmo. Gizmo responds with, caca. That's what I thought he said. <laughs> he totally said like, caca. Did he say caca? <laughs> it comes up later, too. Lynn, Billy's mom, asks, did you get them wet or something? Billy says no. Lynn asks, did you feed them after midnight? Billy says, I gave them some chicken, but I made sure that it... Then he stops, looks at his clock, and sees it's still 11.35. He walks over, picking up his clock, and notices the wires were chewed through. Billy looks over at his mom and asks, what's going on here? Them gremlins. That's what gremlins do. Billy's now back at Mr. Hansen's lab and he's brought his friend Pete. Pete's playing in the gooey slime of the evolved caged mogwai that looks a lot like the others. Pete asks, what did you call this? A putrid stage? (laughs) Hansen corrects him saying, pupil? Hansen, trying to remove the cage, explains like a butterfly. This is a cocoon, and inside he's going through changes. Lots of changes. Pete chimes in, like my mother. Hansen goes on to say, no, that's different. This is called metamorphosis. It's a change in form and in appearance. That's all for science class now. He was like really pumped about that metamorphosis, too. For real. Lynn isn't bothered by the strange happenings in her house. She's opted to make gingerbread men instead. She's a good mom. Dude, you have alien pods in your attic. 
and they've all multiplied like it all just they're all being very flippant it's gotta That's be right stinky right just very like, flippant about ooh. the fact that you have alien pods in your house let's bake some cookies she's icing the cookies in the messiest fashion when her telephone rings she pulls out this remote with a long pull-out antenna, and she's attempting to answer the phone from afar. This is like pre-cordless phone era. But like everything else Dad invented, it does not have the desired intent programmed. She has to physically get up and stop what she's doing to answer a call from her husband, who wants her to know the convention is going great. Did you see in the background that they had the time machine? No. Like the literal, like from the movie, uh-huh. the time that was in the background. I did not see that. And then like, as the scene went on at the end of the scene, it was gone and people were like looking all around it. That's crazy. It was really funny. Dude, the cordless phone came out in 1966. What? Submitted a patent application for a hmm. full duplex wireless communications apparatus. Okay. But like, when did it like for at home sale? Like that was probably some... We had one in the 90s. 1956. What? Oh, I don't believe that. Commercially, that can't be right. Commercially available until 1980. How much was it? Oh, it wasn't commercially available yeah. until the 80s. Yeah. yeah. How much was it? I don't, I don't fucking know. It was like I $60. I always have to know how much this fancy <laughs> <Same>. gadget was. <laughs> I remember when my grandma got a car phone in her Buick. Oh, we had one. It was like a bag. Mm-hmm. I remember that. All right. So the convention is going great. All the while, he's still tinkering with his pocket buddy. He goes on to tell her the competition's a little more. His pocket buddy. I don't know what the fuck it's called. Oh, is it a bathroom buddy? I was making a reference to a sex toy. Oh, yep. See, that's where my brain went as well. What is it? Po- the pocket pussy. Oh. <laughs> it's like a pocket buddy. A pocket buddy. What's a yeah, pocket buddy? That's what they're called. Sure. Say pocket buddy one more time. <laughs> pocket buddy. <laughs> Competition's a little more advanced than he expected, just as a robot passes by. Upstairs in his family home, things are not all that great either. The pods are starting to move. The couple is discussing Rand being so far away on christmas eve he says he will do the best he can before they end the call now at the bank mr corbin the bank manager is apologizing for not being able to do anything to help mrs harris with her 36 dollar issue <laughs> with mrs deagle as if summoning the devil herself mrs deagle makes her way into the bank pushes her way to the front of the line and demands Billy deposit a check to her account. She inquires about Billy's psychotic dog, wanting to know if he's still hiding under the counter. Billy tells her, no, I'm afraid he's on vacation. Mrs. Deagle responds, you better keep him behind locked doors, because if I catch him, he's in for a slow death. In the spin dryer. That's aggressive. Very Billy literally has to rewrite the deposit slip. He's so frazzled, and that snide bitch takes joy in this and shows it with a sly smile. Mr. Hansen's back in his classroom showing a video to his students that explains the heartbeats of different animals, which I found to be fascinating. The video says small animals lose heat faster than larger ones, so their hearts will beat faster. So small birds beat 600 times per minute, cats at 130, 
Man at 75 beats per minute. An elephant is at 25 beats per minute. A pygmy shrew, which is the like tiniest little fucking thing. I know a real shrew is tiny. I can't imagine a pygmy shrew. It beats the fastest at 1,200 beats what? per minute. Is that That's faster than a hummingbird. Yes. And the blue whale has the slowest heartbeat at two beats per minute. Isn't that crazy? It said it's basically uh, the heart. It has a heart the size of a sofa. A sofa? A sofa. Wow. I wanted to know how much they thought a dinosaur's heart would go. But everything I said said it would all be speculation Mm because they don't truly know how their cardiovascular systems worked and blah, blah, blah. Hummingbirds, 1,200 beats per minute. Oh, so it's about the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait, what was the last thing you said? Oh, the dinosaurs. Yeah. So I saw these memes and it was like talking about how they under feathered dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. They were super feathery. But like they went back and show, you know how a chicken Mm -hmm. looks with and without feathers. Mm -hmm. They showed them like with feathers and it's hilarious. It is really hilarious. I have looked at the, re- you know, you almost have to like relearn everything because nothing is as it was when we were in school. Yeah. It's all wrong. That's true. All right. What Mr. Hansen is unaware of is the increasingly rapid heartbeat of the creature he has in the box on his lab table. All of these alien pods are actually starting to open, producing fog. I thought that scene was amazing. We know something amiss is about to happen. (laughs) (laughs) They emit a green glow from inside as well and more slime. Poor little Gizmo's hiding in the bedroom or on the bedroom floor inside a motorcycle helmet. Claws start to emerge from these pods and growling can be heard as well as far off screaming and animalistic sounds. It's getting very ominous vibes. He realizes something's amissed. When he sees the fog from the box, he quickly looks at his classroom of children, then over at the box again, just as it jumps off the table. Then the bell rings. Saved by the bell, play from 1989 through 1992. Dude, my ADD, my... My ADD was bad doing notes for this movie. I really like little facts, so I'm here for it. Um, speaking of little facts, as one yeah. of the kids was leaving, they said something about the Super Bowl. Okay. And Justin was like, well, now you have to talk about the Super Bowl. What Super Bowl was it? It was Super Bowl XVIII. I don't know mean? what that is. All I right. Do you know, Crystal? Sounds like 18. Sounds That's good. I counted. I don't know. Is that X enough? V-I-I-I. What is it this yeah. year? X is 10. V oh, is I don't five. know. It's I, like I, something I ridiculous. Three. Add 40 years. There that you go. That sounds right. Oh, now I feel dumb. That does sound like 18. It looked like a lot when I wrote it down. <laughs> She's like, I, so, I, I, I. was tired. I, I. I was tired when I did this. <laughs> uh, so the 1984 Super Bowl was between the Redskins and the Raiders. They're not called that anymore. What are they now? The Commanders. The Commanders. It aired on CBS. Barry Manilow sung the national anthem. It played at the Tampa, Florida Stadium. The halftime show was salute to the superstars of the silver screen. Wow. Sounds boring. There's a lot of S's. Yes. (laughs) The cost of a 30-second commercial was $368,000. Who played the halftime show? 
the stars, uh, the salute to the superstars of the silver screen. All, all right. I'm going to have to Google that. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe it was some probably just a bunch of big names. They probably clips. did. Uh, what is it? We are the world. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds right. Um, the broadcast was notable for airing the famous 1984 television commercial introducing the Apple Macintosh. Oh. There were 72,920 people in attendance. Wow. I thought you were going to tell me that's how much that computer cost. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, is that really how many people are in one stadium? Mm. 79,000 people? That's a lot Oh, 72,000. So I wanted to compare it to the now stats. So when I Googled it for this year, the first two things that popped up was who is favored to win and can Taylor Swift go to the Super Bowl game? Oh, no, they already did the math on that between her flight from wherever her show is to back to wherever. Oh, so like that's they why? did because they're ahead wherever she's at by the time she comes back. Like it's still the same fucking day or whatever. And she'll be back by three and she'll be there for kickoff. So, oh, so she can the, go. Yeah. Like salute. Scientists have already done the math. The superstars of the yes. silver screen. Yes. Yeah. I can't what is it? The CBS announcer cues up this show by calling it the biggest and most glittery halftime show in glittery. Super Bowl history. And glitter it does. They did is that when they did all the fireworks from the ceiling? This is another Disney production, so it's uh-huh. Busby Berkeley by way of Magic Kingdom. Uh-huh. It's mostly the usual hooray for Hollywood hokum until Minnie Mouse shows up as Carmen Miranda, surrounded by greased up muscle men holding old nudie what? magazine poses. What? This is one for the Disney gaze. Oh wow. That was way before nipple. That Gate. is different than I I thought they played clips of black and white movies is what I thought. <laughs> That's uh, interesting. Sportingnews.com said tickets range from right under $7,000 to $35,000 this year. A 30-second ad will be $7 million. Jesus. I hope Post Malone airs one. Fuck yeah. That's all I care about. Usher is the headliner. Come seven o'clock, he'll be in his drop top. Cruising the streets. (laughs) Is that what time it airs? I don't even know. This year, it will be at the Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. The capacity is $62,000. Man, Las Vegas. I mean, 62,000 people. Happening. At $1.9 billion, this is the second most expensive stadium in the world. Taxpayers shouldered seven hundred and fifty million of the cost of construction. Dude, I w- if I went to Vegas, I would spend so much money. Like, I want to go see all the things. And now they have the sphere there, so like you have I to go to a show there. How much do you save when you're going to go to shows and gamble? <sighs> I would only be able to afford to go for like three days, and I'd probably drop about ten grand. Yeah, that's probably meow meow meow. How many tickets is it to see Britain? No, never I don't know. <laughs> the killers are about to be um in vegas yeah well what do they call it when they're like kind of stuck there for a little bit putting on shows no look when they're what's it called there is a name for it like you know how britney's there doing her thing and not now well what if she was but you know what i'm talking about yes. yeah they have like, like shows there i don't, I don't know, know what, what it's called, called. yeah so they're doing like all their music mm-hmm. so that's Back what i got the movie all right Mr. Hansen quickly rushes the kids out of his class, telling them all to have a Merry Christmas. 
How many days before Christmas is it? These kids are still going to fucking school? I think in movies they go till like the day before. Yeah. That was Mm. in another movie I saw. Pete tries to stick around. He wants to talk about the thing. But Hanson just pushes him out before closing the door. He turns around and slowly starts to approach the side of the table where the box fell in the dark room. The room is only lit by the video screen still playing. When he peeks around the corner, he sees the pod has fallen out of the box onto the floor. And it looks like the other cracked open oozing green light slime and fog. He immediately leaves to call Billy at the bank to tell him it just hatched. I love that they know their schedule. Billy tells Mr. Hansen he will be right there, then just hands the phone to Kate and runs out. Poor Gizmo's up in Billy's room, quivering and terrified of the events unfolding before his eyes. We don't get to see just what it is exactly. He's still hiding in the helmet, surrounded by green light, fog, and snarling, moving shadows. After his call to Billy, Mr. Hansen goes back to his classroom and apprehensively enters the lights are still off he's leaving only a few small miscellaneous ones on for the shadow effects he finally turns off the video on a movie reel how much did you love that i loved it i even (laughs) like we would watch that at my grandparents house my uncle would pull one out i remember the sound of one in the classroom it's awesome yeah He starts looking around the room for this creature while trying to reason with it by offering a candy bar, a Snickers. Suddenly, there's a crash off camera and random items are moved as we hear the creature make its way around the room. Mr. Hansen starts chasing this thing down, telling it, there's no reason to be afraid. I'd probably do the same thing, honestly. But I'd have to see it first. Like, I don't know. I mean, I want to take everything home. After seeing what it looked like in the beginning, I would not expect. Well, I'm just like, you know, you aren't chasing the same creature you had before. Like, you're a scientist. So you claim to be. It should be a butterfly now. (laughs) Right. Hanson, now practically on his hands and knees, crouches down next to his desk. He wants to know if it's still upset over a little blood test. Probably. It looks painful. He starts waving this Snickers, half-eaten, I might add. I'd be pissed. Rude. Right? Around under the side of the desk, saying, come on, take a bite. Let me see you. I just want to see you. As he moves his hand under the desk, he adds, here, you try some of this. I know you've got to be hungry. The creature growls from under the desk before we can hear it submit to, or before we hear it submit to eating the Snickers. Hanson smiles and chimes in. There, don't you feel better? Before the look on his face turns to confusion and pain, just before he starts screaming. This is a scene that made me think of critters. Billy apparently had to run through the snow, uphill, three miles. I don't fucking know. This kid's been running forever. He finally arrives, same time later, or sometime later, to the school and enters a very dark and quiet classroom. He actually turns on a light, though. It's then that he finds Mr. Hanson under his desk with a syringe poking out of his butt cheek. Billy can only pause and stare for a moment before he looks over and sees a phone on the desk. I didn't understand how that killed him. Oh, I think it, well, 
he may have like just squirted air into his yeah. bloodstream. It has to be a lot of air. Yeah. I mean, he probably yeah. killed him yeah. and then he probably stabbed him in the yeah. butt. Yeah. We didn't yeah. see what he looked like under the desk. Oh, maybe it was hidden. Yeah. He they just stabbed him in the butt with a syringe. Hmm. Yeah. Right. They had to cut some of that stuff out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. As he goes to reach for the phone, he is scratched on his hand by a quick moving claw. He jumps back in shock and awe, and we see a three-fingered claw reach up front, up from behind the desk to grab an apple. The apple was next to the phone on the desk, and Billy starts hearing chomping and snarling sounds from this unseen creature. We can already tell from that green and yellow striped claw, it's no longer furry, cuddly, or cute. It ends up throwing the apple across the desk in Billy's direction, then starts grabbing glass test tubes from atop the desk to chomp. Billy starts to hear a crashing sound from behind the desk and walks a little closer to get a better view. He ends up seeing that the gremlin has torn through the grating on the wall and is now in the ventilation system. What the fuck are y'all doing? Are y'all still flipping each other off? What is happening? She's just putting on her lipstick. She's just putting on my lipstick. I got you. <laughs> I pulled that one the other day at work. Uh, sorry. I'm obnoxious with my, yeah, my laughter. It's fine. Mia. Yeah. Billy runs out the classroom and down the hall to the nurse's station, still holding his wounded hand and acts quickly to bandage it up. His bobo. When he pauses to lean against the counter, the creature pops out of the cabinet and just starts throwing medical supplies at him from the stocked cabinet. He then escapes through another vent. Billy leans against the wall, catching his breath when it looks like he's come to the realization of something before he takes off running again. Now at the Peltzer residence, Lynn is still slaving away in the kitchen when she hears a ruckus coming from upstairs. In Billy's room, the gremlins have attached Gizmo to a dartboard and are taking turns for a bullseye. And Gizmo shivering in fright. Lynn can hear crashing and snarling now and chooses to arm herself with a knife. She's tough. Before making her way to the stairs. One of the gremlins is heard off camera saying, Gizmo Kaka, before they throw him down the laundry chute. Lynn is still slowly making her way up the stairs, only pausing momentarily when Gizmo hits bottom. See, wouldn't you run out of the house hearing all those crazy noises, or would you go inspect? I would probably go inspect. I would inspect. Mm, I would leave. <laughs> but you don't know what it is, though, if it's even worth leaving. Well, I have my dogs in the house, and oh, your I dogs would have already eaten whatever it is <laughs> for sure. An alarm go off, uh, a car alarm go off next door. What a couple nights ago? Oh yeah, in at like three o'clock in the morning. So I got up and went to check why, and then the next morning the cops were there. So I <gasps> assume somebody tried to break into their car. Yeah, like it. So kept wait, you going got off. up to see why, but you didn't see anybody. Mm-hmm. No. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure that as soon as they heard it go off they ran yeah Yeah, but it went off again it went off like twice and another alarm went off i don't know it was like one alarm went off then another alarm went off and then that alarm went off what if someone was out there what would you oh i think there was 
No, but if you saw them. I would say, hey, I'm calling the cops. To them? Yeah. I've done it before. <laughs> and oh. then she would have said, go get him, Freddy. <laughs> hey, I had some guy I'd walking fucking run the, if he was coming. Yeah. I had some guy walking down the street with his girlfriend one day. I don't, I'm assuming it was his girlfriend, but like, you could tell they had been arguing. She was trying to get away from him. So I just mm. sat there and I watched for a little bit and he grabbed her yeah. as soon as he passed me up. And I was like, hey, I'm calling the cops. Good. That makes me so happy. I have goosebumps. <laughs> Did she look like she appreciated it? No, I don't really know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Story Lynn time. worked her way up to the attic. She looks up there as the fog's billowing down. She still chooses to proceed up the steps. She's alarmed to find all the pods glowing and smoking and even more alarmed when the phone rings. It's Billy. He's telling his mom they've hatched and she needs to get out of the house. Just then, a claw is seen reaching for what we can only assume is a mess of phone lines. And a gremlin is heard saying, phone home, caca. That was a nod to E.T. How did they know that? Did they see E.T.? Before the lines are severed. They must just absorb knowledge. Um, I also had an ADD moment, and I just want to add, Billy's phone call was made from a payphone at the school. In the 1920s, the cost was two cents to what? make a call. In the 1930s, it went up to five cents. 60s was 10 cents. And by the 21st century, it was 50 cents. See, I remember it going from 25 to 50. Yeah. New York once had 30,000 payphones, but removed the last public one in 2022. We have one around town. I went to look at it, but it was broken. <laughs> There's one at Katie's that doesn't. Yeah. The, the the outline is still there. But I remember, not an wasn't phone. it me and you that was on a road trip and we found one at a gas station somewhere and like took pictures with it? It was, yeah, one of the red ones. Yeah. Christmas music starts playing in the Peltzer House of Horrors and Lynn quickly makes her way down the stairs. Just as Billy's flying out of the front doors of the school... Lynn makes her way downstairs to the record player to shut that shit down. Shut it down. That's right. She now looks over her house like, where to next? When a plate comes flying out of the kitchen, past her head, and crashes into the door behind her. She lets out a scream before covering her mouth. Like, they all do that. All the moms in these movies. It's visual. Cover their mouths. Um, she's gripping the knife a little tighter now, and she holds it out in front of her. She gathers herself and slowly approaches her kitchen. When Lynn sees what has invaded her kitchen, her eyes go wide. This is our first full view of a gremlin in all its glory. Its ears are big and wide. Its head is flat on top, except for a mohawk of sharp fins. Coming from down the center, it has orange eyes set in a stiff brow and a snarling mouth full of sharp teeth. Its skin is a mottled yellow-green with pink accents and looks to have a leathery or hardened texture, like a shell. This particular one has taken liberties with the gingerbread man and is covered in yellow icing. When the gremlin leans itself into the mixing bowl, Lynn sneaks in quick and turns that bitch on. The creature spun around several times, head first in the bowl, wiggling and screeching until it explodes in a green goo all over her kitchen walls, cabinets, counters, 
storage jars, the fridge. Like, you're literally never getting that murder never. scene clean, ever. She was not letting them have her kitchen. Right? <laughs> I did see on the front of the mixer that it was a Peltzer. Yeah. And I wonder course. if that's how it normally worked. <laughs> yeah, good thing it worked. <laughs> like, if it normally slung shit all over everywhere. Convenient. Um, or was she just lucky it actually turned on that time? Dishes continue to fly at Lynn, crashing all around her now. She holds up a TV tray as a shield, and she goes head-to-head with another gremlin on the counter. You can tell she's starting to get pissed now that they're breaking all her dishes. The dishes just keep coming. The demand, uh, She demands the gremlins get out of her kitchen, then proceeds to stab it multiple times like she's done this a couple times. Before she's had time to even process what she's done, a whole ass pan of gingerbread men come flying at her, striking her in the back. Lynn quickly turns around and sees yet another gremlin. I guess she lost her knife in the last one, so I don't know. I got her kill count at three. So yeah, far. for real. She There's decides only two more to, to grab oven cleaner or some kind of nonstick spray and hoses the critter's face down until she backs it up into the microwave and quickly shuts the door sets that bitch to well done steps back uh when she steps back she actually revealed the can of flea and tit killer she used Mm. like who just leaves that on the kitchen counter flea and tit killer i guess when you have grown-ups barney was needing it i guess The gremlin set to cook starts wigging out before exploding into a juicy slime all over the inside of the... Like, her whole fucking kitchen's done. Lynn's now sweating profusely and has the crazed look of a murderous intent in her eyes. There's yet more snarls and crashing coming from another room. She turns, grabs two more knives from the knife block, and heads out to investigate. She pans around the living room when she sees a stocking moving over the fireplace. It looks like something's moving inside of it, and Lynn immediately starts slicing and dicing this stocking, only to discover it's a small toy robot. She backs herself up against the Christmas tree, and the Christmas lights immediately shut off, but inside the tree, you can still see two red eyes. Who is that toy for? (laughs) <laughs> right who is that fucking toy for Barney. it's a robot right it's probably some dumb shit dad made i liked how giant that christmas stocking was yes just as lynn turns and screams the entire christmas tree falls on top of her tinsel and all she's wrestling with this entire tree and the snapping creature inside and i don't know why but i found this part to be so fucking hilarious Lynn is are y'all still oh, watching up no I'm not gonna say what we're doing when she's wrestling with that tree <laughs> oh my god get out of here <laughs> I was stretching Lynn's screaming and at some point gets turned over and the gremlin's now choking her from behind with the Christmas lights those scenes were funny dude Billy finally fucking shows up like the hero here he just spent his whole time running in this movie Uh, Like she didn't already kill three by herself. He grabs one of his dad's swords off the wall, screams hey at the gremlin, and swings chopping the gremlin's head off, sending it flying into the fireplace. 
Um, this is one of those scenes where initially when Billy comes home, he was supposed to come home to his mom's head rolling down the stairs. I had that. That might have been like in the screenplay because in the um, original script, it said that they drug her up to the attic and ate her. And all he found was the bloody Valium bottle. Oh, God. <laughs> but no, that was like I just the first had, first. Yeah, no, I just had like the list of scenes that they had to remove. And one of them was Billy's mother dying in her struggle with the gremlins who then throw her head down the stairs when Billy arrives. There's also a scene where the gremlins ate Billy's dog, which you said. And a scene where the gremlins attacked at McDonald's eating customers instead of burgers. That one I would have wanted to see. Huh? Um, but the head rolling down the stairs, that's a yeah, R. Yeah, for real. Um, Gizmo was also supposed to transform into Stripe, the gremlin, but Spielberg overruled this plot element because he felt Gizmo was cute and that audiences would want him present throughout the film. And they want the merch. That's when Stripe was technically born. Mm-hmm. They need to sell all that cute The coloring merch. of Gizmo, including the white patch of fur around his right eye, was directly modeled after one of Spielberg's dogs. Oh, that's cute. So cute. Super cute. I used my notes. <laughs> Good job. Is that your first one? Yeah. Billy now checking on his mom. She's fine, even though she's covered in scratches. She doesn't get killed? No. Oh, I thought she got killed. No, they bring her next door. The head in the fireplace is screaming, and from behind them by the window, they hear a chuckle. And you didn't see, watch the movie? I watched it. I remember uh, her dying. Another girl. You watched, you she's read too much end. stuff. I read too much and yeah. got mixed up. Yep. You see another gremlin creeping on the windowsill. It's growling and drooling, and Billy informs his mom it's Stripe. He has a glorious white mohawk down the middle of his flat head. From what I can tell, the only one that came out of this with hair at all. Stripe then busts out a window pane and chuckles in freedom after jumping out, and Billy has an oh-fuck face as he looks out. Now, at the home of the Molineros, this is the neighbors, they look like they're struggling to decorate their Christmas tree and their doorbell rings. It's Billy and Lynn. Billy tells the good doctor hello, then asks if they can come in, telling him mom's had a bit of an accident. Fucking gingerbread men. (laughs) Yeah, I'm wondering how you're going to explain this to the neighbors. Dr. Molinero wants to know what happened, but Billy doesn't have time for his questions. He kisses his mom goodbye. She tells Billy to be careful, and he takes off to run in the snow some more. Someone needs to fix this kid's fucking car. He (laughs) He cannot get shit done like this. Billy apparently ran back home to check things out there and see what did in fact happen. And here's a, oh, he hears a small chattering coming from the laundry room. From inside the laundry room, in the cutest fucking gizmo voice ever, you hear, let me out, let me out. (laughs) Billy frees gizmo, shutting off the bright light in the process, uh, then immediately shoves him into a backpack. They head out to track down Stripe. Billy follows Stripe's tracks in the snow straight to the YMCA because it's fun to stay at the I YMCA. I had that written down. <laughs> so I did. Do they show the dad at the convention again? Yeah, eventually. Okay, I had a note about it. Yeah, like he's calling or something. Nobody's answering. 
Um, so YMCA, I didn't know it actually stood for Young Men's Christian Association. I didn't know that. Um, the song by the Village People. Some people think the group was exploiting the LGBTQ plus community and that they were an all gay group. This was extremely untrue. The song was a filler song for their third album, Cruisin'. It took 20 minutes to write and was inspired by co-writer Victor Willis, who enjoyed playing basketball and wanted the track to fit anyone's lifestyle. That is not at all the history that I made up in my head of that song. No, (laughs) at all. Oh, wow. Billy finds glass broken from the front door, uses this to unlock the door for himself. Armed with a sword and a flashlight, he enters the YMCA with Gizmo on his back in his backpack. While they're making their way through the building, the fire alarm suddenly goes off They go, and then goes off again before Billy can figure out why. Just then, Stripe jumps out of some plumbing panel in the wall and leaps towards Billy, knocking him down, then scratches his chest and scurries slash hops away. It's not often you see them, like, use legs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he lands in the motherfucking swimming pool before Billy can catch him. I put that he cannonballed in... He, he know yeah well i mean yeah he was like jumping and hopping and i don't really know what he was doing uh gizmo lets out a scream and stripe is moaning as he curls up and sinks to the bottom the pool's bubbling and smoking as if it's actually boiling and stripe is making loud mewling sounds like an angry cat justin said that it reminded him of the game streets of rage I've never played that. Me, Me neither. neither. Mm, I thought somebody might. <laughs> somebody might, not at this table. <laughs> Billy starts to back away from the side of the pool. Like, you almost had the last one. Yeah, like him oh, and his mom almost did almost it. Almost had the last one. Now you got to chase a thousand of them. So I read that a problem with Zach Galligan's acting was that they had to tell him to close his mouth because it was constantly open. <laughs> I thought that was funny. There's strobe lights now. I don't know why. Green lights coming from the bottom of the pool and the fog machine is out of control at this point. So how many would it make multiplying? Like if he gets in the water and they multiply. It probably depends on how much water too. Because like one little drop made that one. Created one. So you would assume that, like, if you jump in the pool, it's going to just Thousands. give you massive Because each one would make more. Yeah. Each drop of water. And each gremlin. Yeah. All of them. Ping, 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 ping. That's what I, I imagine it sounds like popcorn <laughs> going off in, in there. That sounds right. <laughs> Billy scoops up his bag and Gizmo, of course, and starts to bail, pausing to turn around a couple more times just in case the situation has changed any. He finally makes his way outside of the building and inside looks like a light show of flashing green and red lights and dancing shadows. And Billy just fucking runs. He heads straight to the sheriff's department, giving Sheriff Frank his story about thousands of gremlins at the YMCA. And the sheriff is understandably skeptical and deputy so have do it you somewhere know in here. who the deputy is. He looks so fucking familiar. It's the Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Okay. Brent and Frank. 
Sheriff Frank. Oh, Deputy that was his Brent. name? Brent, yes. Deputy Brent. So they had a fan theory about him. I mm-hmm. can't take credit. Um, on both shows, uh, Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, he references how he used to be an ex-cop. <laughs> and people say that this is his ex-cop job. <laughs> That's from fantheoryworld.com. That's funny. I thought that was a good one. Okay, so deputy do nothing sucking on a candy cane. Billy has now raised his voice. He's trying to get them to understand that in a matter of hours, the town will be a disaster area. He demands the sheriff warn the people. The sheriff asks Brent if he thinks the kid is drunk. Deputy Brent says no, but you are. Sheriff Frank asks where the gremlin came from. He starts at the beginning when he got a mogwai as a present. The sheriff wants to know if his dad always gives him vicious little monsters as presents. Billy goes on to explain how they don't start out vicious. He tries to show them gizmo, but they have to turn down the lights first. From the streets, it looks like a claymation invasion of gremlins climbing and jumping on and off of everything and each other. It is chaos. What? <laughs> so not so funny. I giggled. I like a corny joke. Okay. So originally they were going to do stop motion, uh-huh. like Nightmare Before Christmas, and that would have taken forever. So Chris Wallace, the guy who did the puppets, suggested puppets mm-hmm. instead. The studio suggested a spider monkey in a suit. You see where this is going? Yeah. They tested it at Joe Dante's office, and the animal went crazy, tearing the office apart and shitting everywhere. (laughs) And so they went with puppets. It's hilarious, but that poor (gasps) monkey. How did they think that would ever work? (laughs) It's the shitting everywhere for you? It's the shitting everywhere. I see this monkey in this suit just losing his fucking mind. All over the like, office. so upset. He's just shitting. <laughs> throwing it everywhere. I don't even know. And the puppet guy's like. Where am I now? <laughs> puppets, right? So it wasn't a claymation. It looked like clay. Just the street scene. They they had one scene that was okay. stop motion. That might have yeah. been it. Okay. The Futtermans are at home getting cozy and jolly when Murray tells his wife, Sheila, to quit messing with the TV. After the squeen... Squeen. <laughs> tisk, After tisk. the screen gets snowy, Sheila reminds him, you have the thingy. Murray can't find a clear picture and starts cussing his foreign TV. Meanwhile, the gremlins are swinging around on the TV, Antana. On the roof, Murray can't catch anything but a French movie, so he grabs his coat to go outside, thinking the wind blew the antenna down. But when Murray goes outside, there's nothing on the roof but his antenna. He then hears a crash and chattering behind him coming from the garage. He goes to investigate when he hears an engine start up. It's his snowplow. It busts through the garage and barn doors, and it's headed straight for him. Murray takes off running. Mind you, he's in boots, his underwear, shirt, and jacket. The gremlins driving the snowplow are laughing, chase him into the house. 
Murray grabs his wife off the chair and moves her out of the way as the snowplow slowly, slowly plows through their house. Murray and his wife end up cornered, and it's when he sees the gremlins in the cab of the plow he is truly validated, just before they're both plowed over. Father Bartlett makes his way to the blue outgoing mailbox in front of the church. I'm pretty sure that guy was Zeke the plumber. (laughs) Did you see him? No. But I do. I have a note. When Murray said we should have gotten a Zenith, it's a reference to the fact that by the 1980s, Zenith was one of the few electronics brands still manufactured in the U.S. Oh. All righty. Once Father Bartlett puts his mail in the mailbox, it's immediately immediately spit back out. At this time, Mr. Anderson, played by Harry Carey Jr. That's his name. Harry Carey. This was this man's name. One of the men at the mailbox. Yeah, Mr. Anderson. His name was Harry Carey Jr. Arrives with his own outgoing mail. Father Bartlett doesn't mention a fucking thing. He doesn't mention anything strange happening to the mailbox. He only steps out of the way. Mr. Anderson places the letter in the outgoing slot, except he's unable to retrieve his hand and starts to panic before the scene changes. In another area of town, this is where all the gremlins are going nuts in town. In another area of town, another gremlin's found an electrical box. He's fucking up the street lights, turning them all green, wreaking havoc in the streets as he chuckles maniacally. And in yet another scene, it's like a news story, <laughs> we find Gizmo in a disheveled and annoyed state. He's on Sheriff Frank's desk. Still in the company of Billy and Sheriff Frank and Deputy Brent, who tells Frank to be careful. He might tear your arm off, if only. He offers to put the cuff on him. The sheriff asks Billy, how does a cute little guy like this turn into a thousand ugly monsters? Billy starts trying to explain the pupil stage and informs them it multiplies with water. Just then, the phone rings and Sheriff Frank answers it. He looks confused, then concerned, and tells the caller he will be right over. When he hangs up, Billy asks what happened, and the sheriff says it's the Futtermans. Something about a snowplow. A freak accident. Billy screams, it's the creatures. The creatures are making it look like an accident. The two guys start to get ready to head out, blowing off Billy's accusations. Billy grabs the sheriff and spins him around, demanding he listen to him. Sheriff Frank Frank breaks free and grabs Billy by the lapel of his jacket, saying, You listen to me, kid. Go on home. Take little Gizmo there, sit by the fireplace, and open your Christmas presents. Okay? Then, double taps Billy's face, saying, Attaboy before walking off to argue with Deputy Dingleberry about whether he's too drunk to drive. That was hilarious to me. (laughs) Like, you can see him finish his eggnog, and he's like, I want to drive. Yes. And he tells him he's too drunk. Yes. (laughs) And he's like, I'm the sheriff. I always drive. Billy's left standing alone in the police station. The phone starts ringing again. The next scene takes us to Mrs. Deagle's real estate office and home. 
it seems Stripe truly loves saying the word Deagle because he says Deagle a lot. <laughs> Deagle, Deagle, Deagle. Do you see she was only open 45 minutes a day? No, I did on not. Her sign. <laughs> Miss Deagle's inside, making her way down the stairs on a stair chair, also known as a stair lift. With her orange kitty on her lap and another named Kopek runs down the stairs. I wanted to know why this pretentious woman would name a cat Kopek. That's because Kopek is a monetary unit of Russia and some other countries of the Soviet Union equal to one hundredth of a ruble. It's basically a penny. Uh, Still making her way down the stairs, she reveals the orange kitty's name is Drachma. That is a silver coin of ancient Greece from about the mid-6th century and was one of the world's earliest coins. Why? Why what? Ancient. Ancient. That was for you. Turn on your mind. (laughs) It's obvious this woman is obsessed with money. How does that... And dinosaurs end up in every episode. It just Ancient. Happened. It's like kindergarten cop. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Deagle finally makes her way out of the stair chair, only to start fussing at another kitty named Old Dollar Bill. We know Is that what his that name? means. Old Dollar Bill. Yeah, she calls him that like three times. After gathering her cats, she hears Christmas carolers. Ruby Deagle hates Christmas carolers calling them screechy-voiced little glue sniffers. She gathers a pitcher of water, passing an unseen gremlin in her house, and makes her way to the front door. Only when she opens it and makes her way onto the porch to douse the brats with water, she comes upon the unexpected. It's a group of gremlins in winter wear doing their best at caroling. That part is so absurd. Yeah, 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 la, la, la. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Deagle throws the pitcher on the porch, screams, and runs back into the house to assemble all ten of her door locks while asking herself, what are they? She's still screaming in her house, repeating, they've come for me before making her way safely to her stair chair, and now she straps herself in and hits the button to start the slow lift. She has a cat door that they can all get in. Oh, Mm. I didn't even notice that. Only it's been gremlinized, and this chair shoots off like a rocket up the stairs and flies out of the top of the house, or out the window of the house, chair and all. I laughed so fucking hard while this woman screamed through the air. Oh, yeah. Everybody wanted it. Landing in the front yard as the sheriff was making his way down the road. Both men in the patrol car only stare on. They don't realize that while they have parked in the road, a gremlin has already sabotaged their undercarriage. At the same time, they realize that was Mrs. Deagle face down in the snow. And then a man dressed as Santa comes running out of the front of a house. I like how they don't even move to help him. No, they're just (laughs) fucking sitting there like they don't even like, is this real life? And, you know, it's just because the sheriff's drunk and he has slow reaction time. (laughs) (laughs) The man in Santa suit comes running out of his house with a gremlin attached to his face and a couple more on the rest of his body while the police are watching. Sheriff Frank wants to know what the stuff is all over him. Deputy Brent tells Frank to start the car so they can leave. He keeps saying it like super calm too. He's like, hey Frank, I think we should leave. 
<laughs> Frank, I think that we should start the car and leave. The eggnog. Frank listens, and they drive away. Pete is... Obviously not there to protect and serve. No. <laughs> Pete is hitting gremlins with his slingshot. Brent and Frank are yelling at each other when a truck pulls out in front of them. Frank tries to hit the brakes, but they don't work. And the car ends up upside down after hitting the truck. Billy gets in his car with Gizmo. He can hear the radio host being attacked. What was that host's name? R- Rockin' Ricky Rialto. Wonder- <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Billy's dad, Randall. I don't call him Rand. By oh, the way. come on. Billy's dad, he Randall. He prefers it that way. Fuck, he's not, a, he's not a real person. <laughs> Just trying to make a call at a convenience Actually, store. Actually, he ad-libbed most of his lines, so he chose to be called Rand, I believe. He doesn't have many. <laughs> and notices the attendant is a smoker and has a broken ashtray. Of course. He pulls a smokeless ashtray out of his bag and does his little sales pitch. Meanwhile, the gremlins are having a party at Kate's bar. She's frantically pouring them drinks and they are being wild. Kate lights a match for one of them and the gremlin keeps backing away because he's scared. Kate grabs a Polaroid camera and starts taking photos with Flash. The gremlins are all dropping as the bright light hits them. Billy pulls up outside and Kate runs for it. Now Billy's car won't start. How many times does that happen? Of course. How many times does this happen now? We know that car is not going to start. I don't even know why he tried. He it started just, whenever he left, though. He should have just yeah. stuck to running. And they have to make a run for it. They He's run probably to the bank. tired of running. They run to the bank and go inside. It is trash, too. Kate says now she has another reason to hate Christmas. The worst <sighs> thing that ever happened to her happened on Christmas. She was nine years old. Her and her mom were decorating the tree, waiting for her dad to come home from work. A couple hours went by, and her dad still wasn't home. Christmas Day came and went, still nothing. The police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither of them could eat or sleep. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so she went to light, try to light up the fire. That's when she noticed the smell. The firemen came, broke through the chimney top. Her and her mom were expecting a dead cat or bird, and instead they pulled out her father. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve, his arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise them. He slipped and broke his neck, died instantly. That's how she found out there was no Santa Claus. So that scene used to be so sad to me, but it's so absurd and funny to me now. Yeah. Because <laughs> our humor has changed. I guess it's so. grown adults now. I that shit is hilarious. So the film mentions the urban legend in which Kate reveals uh, about how her father died. Uh, the family's chimney. Studio executives insisted upon it being removed because they didn't know whether it was supposed to be funny or sad. Dante refused to take the scene out, saying it represented the film as a whole, which had both horrific and comedic elements. Spielberg didn't like the scene, but viewed Gremlins as Dante's project. A parody of this scene is featured in Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Mm -hmm. And then I have a true life story. Let's hear it. Okay, this is from ABC News, July 27th, 2011. A skeleton was found in the chimney 27 years after a man disappeared. The remains of Joseph Schechtsneider... Missing for 27 years were finally discovered lodged in a brick chimney at the Abbeville National Bank in Louisiana. 
The bones were found when the bank was renovating the second floor, which had long been used for storage. The identity of the body was confirmed through DNA. Mary Manheim, head of the lab at LSU that identified Chuck Schneider's bones, said, I would submit he died within a few days, maximum of when he went into that chimney. But as to how he died or why he was in the chimney, nobody will ever know. Police discovered a pair of gloves among the remains, but can only speculate as to the significance. The majority of the body appeared to have gotten stuck just above the fireplace in the narrow flue. A contractor discovered small bones and clothing at the base of the fireplace after removing a metal shield covering the face of the fireplace. Sheck Snyder disappeared in January 1984 at the age of 26. He actually disappeared this year, the year the movie came out. He had served in the National Guard and also worked for a circus until they left the country. Oh, here's the rest. The family reported they thought he was running from the law because he failed to appear in court for possession of a stolen vehicle. His mother didn't file a missing persons report, assuming her son was on one of his rendezvous. So what were the small bones and clothing? It was him. Oh, I thought there was more small bones. No, like they removed that shield and everything from this fireplace they never fucking used. Like he got in there, got stuck, and then as he deteriorated, just pieces of him fell to the base. What was he thinking? He wasn't. I don't understand what would ever make someone crawl into one of those. Desperation. How would it ever be human sized? That's how fucking don't lie to your kids about santa yeah that shit's not real randall walks out of the convenience store and the gas attendant is holding his smokeless ashtray as it is smoking pretty profusely and he's coughing the whole time and he tells the attendant it'll stop it's guaranteed that gas station attendant is kenneth toby he was in a lot of sci-fi movies and inner space with dick miller the howling and gremlins too Billy and Kate walk out of the bank. It's calm and quiet. Billy says it'll be light soon. The gremlins are all somewhere dark together, probably. They walk to the movie theater and peek in the door. He sees a gremlin. All of them are watching a movie. They're watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. They're all singing along. Billy asks where the boiler room is, and they head that way. Stripe gets up for snacks. He sees a sign for candy across the street. Billy pushes a lever. Uh, We realize it's gas. Billy tells Kate to cover her mouth and not to breathe any gas. Plot hole. How the fuck are you supposed to do that? (laughs) (laughs) Cover your mouth. Don't breathe any gas. Okay. Mm, That's a good question. Billy lights a cloth and leaves it on the ground. The reel messes up and they see Billy and Kate behind the screen. Gremlins tear up the screen and run after them. They exit and put a board under the doorknob, trapping them. They run behind Billy's car, then the theater explodes. Stripe sees it blow up from across the street. They spot Stripe and he runs. Uh, This is from SlashFilm.com. Galligan recalled to The Guardian that his most alarming scene to film was an explosive one. When the gremlins are watching Snow White, blah, blah, blah. Um, regulations were more lax on Hollywood sets back then. When we asked the explosives guy how big the explosion would be, he said, well, we've packed it pretty good. 
I thought, what the hell does that mean? In the event, it was deafening, and the heat was so intense, I thought it had singed my eyebrows. It blew the doors off the theater, as you can see in the film, and it shattered windows on a building at Universal a mile away. That sounds intense. (laughs) He packed it good. Dang. They used that uh, same movie theater. It wasn't meant to be. (laughs) They used that same movie theater for uh, Back to the Future. Oh, yeah, I did read that. And it's caught fire like three times. So the town, the movie theater. theater. Oh, maybe uh, the town did. Well, the it says studio. the fictional town of Kingston Falls in Gremlins was filmed. The same set used for the town, which was released a year later. Yeah, it did. The, the fire might have been the, the town. I can't remember. Billy breaks the candies. Okay, I thought this was a candy store at first because you it's see not? the sign for no, because then he ends up like running into sports equipment and shit. oh that was the uh, same so store like a, a walmart or a sports store some with kind candy? of department store i don't even know gotcha. probably montgomery wards they <laughs> enter the store stripe is running around on a skateboard billy tells kate to find a light switch he kisses kate before she goes it's the perfect time to kiss oh yes. yeah always billy grabs a bat and starts looking for stripe he passes a display of tvs and a gremlin appears on one of the screens and billy smashes the tv screen with a bat Kate finds a switchboard and starts pressing buttons randomly. Stripe is hiding in a stuffed animal display. Like E.T. Mm-hmm. Kate turns on a fountain in the store. Stripe starts throwing random shit at Billy, including a saw blade, then takes off on a tricycle. That tricycle really made me laugh. It, <laughs> yeah. So menacing, and then you take off on a little <laughs> tricycle. Mm-hmm. Kate looks down and notices that Gizmo is no longer in the backpack. Billy sees the tricycle has crashed. Stripe is using a baseball thrower. Is that what it's called? Uh, The ball ball pitcher thing. Pitching machine. A pitching machine. He sees uh, he's using a pitching machine to hit Billy with balls. Now he has a crossbow aimed at Billy. And he shoots him in the arm with an arrow. This. Let me see. I have a note on that. Nope, I don't. That's later. Just disregard that. All right. He goes to shoot another arrow, but Billy grabs a boombox to block it, and then he throws the boombox at Stripe. And then he hears a chainsaw. Stripe goes after him with the chainsaw, and Billy holds up the bat to protect himself, which it would have taken that long to cut through a little tiny bat like that, but whatever. Gizmo comes around the corner on a Barbie mobile. Which I'm assuming that's what that is, because I don't know. I always thought it was a Barbie car. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Kate breaks open the breaker box and starts flipping on all the lights. The light hits Stripe, and he's pulled away by the cord of the chainsaw, covering his eyes. The chainsaw unplugs, and Stripe spots the fountain. And a gun in a glass case. The guns that they have Uh is just so silly. Do you see the store that they're in, though? (laughs) Like, they've hit golf clubs... You've seen a crossbow, guns, there's a giant fountain somewhere, there's candy, there's stuffed animals, there's TV displays, like there's just Everything. so much shit in like there. Like a big mall? I don't bet. That's what it kind of gave the impression. Like a... With a huge garden center. Yeah. Randall, stop, Randall stops in front of whatever store Billy is in. And it was Barney. probably a warehouse. Hmm. Yeah. Costco. <laughs> 
Barney jumps out of the car and through the window. Billy spots Stripe standing on the edge of the fountain. Stripe shoots at Billy with his gun and he ducks because you can duck from bullets. You can. I had a question about Barney. Did he just sit in the car the whole time the dad was at the convention? Exactly. Why did he bring the dog with him? And then, like, he opens the door and he's like, Barney, shut up. Like, What's wrong <laughs> with you? He's been in the fucking car this whole time. That poor dog. Well, he's probably still safer there than at home with Mrs. Deagle trying to kill him. Oh, yeah. Stripe climbs to the top of the fountain and sticks his finger in the water. His back starts bubbling. Gizmo uses a shovel as a ramp and crash lands into some plants. Also, there are plants there. Gizmo pulls a cord and the curtains come up exposing the sunlight. And then Stripe starts to melt. He falls in the water looking real dead. Billy picks up Gizmo. They use Randall's scarf to shield Gizmo from the light. Billy checks the fountain and Stripe pops up looking like a juicy skeleton. He melts the rest of the way. Next scene, Billy is watching the news with Randall and Kate. Oh, I think the mom was there too. Kate is checking Gizmo's temperature. Mom turns around to go make Gizmo some chicken soup. And the shop owner where Randall got Gizmo is standing there. He's come to take Gizmo back. Mr. Wing warned him. With Mogwai comes great responsibility, but they didn't listen. He says, You do with Mogwai what your society has done with all of nature's gifts. That one hurt. You do not understand. You are not ready. Gizmo wants to say something to Billy. He opens the box and Gizmo says, Bye, Billy. All cute Cute. like. It was so stinking cute. Mr. Wing says, Perhaps someday you may be ready. Until then, Mogwai will be waiting. Randall apologizes to Mr. Wing. He tries to give him the smokeless ashtray. (laughs) He said the man at the gas station tried to sell it to him. And then he takes it. Everyone is standing outside looking sad. Randall narrates, well, that's the story. So if your air conditioner goes on the fritz or your washing machine blows up or your video recorder conks out before you call the repairman, turn on all the lights, check all the closets and cupboards, look under all the beds because you never can tell. There just might be a gremlin in your house. Maybe just make sure it wasn't built by Peltzer. Yeah. (laughs) The song playing at the end is Gremlins dot 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 mega madness by michael sorbello awesome good to know so Sem- billy sembello sorry so billy was supposed to actually be the hero originally gizmo lifted uh the first blind followed by billy spielberg suggested the scene be edited so that it was clear that it's gizmo not billy who is the movie's hero what did he really do other than ride in a backpack while billy ran all over fucking town Mm. what did he do he drove the barbie car Mm, he He just opened the blinds yeah he did he did so whenever they were at the convention uh spielberg had a cameo there he was the one driving the high-tech wheelchair while watching poltergeist oh cool they also had the composer jerry goldsmith there zach galligan stand-in dressed as dante robbie the robot from forbidden planet and the time machine from the time machine movie girl are you a gremlin what What? oh god because i want to get you wet and multiply oh my god (laughs) get out of here with that one that was pretty bad it was bad that was my joke that i had 
So did you know that the guy that uh, voiced Stripe also voiced Fred on Scooby-Doo? No, that's pretty cool. Right? Frank Welker. It was his idea that Howie Mandel be hired as Gizmo. So we might have a new kind of episode next week. Maybe. Are we going to do that? What are we doing? I forgot already. We were going to do a segment episodes called what I learned this week on the internet. Yes. Shit I learned this week. So we're going to go through and say some things that we found on the internet and tell each other about it and giggle. And one thing was somebody had this stick looking thing that came out of their guinea pig and all the comments were people saying i know exactly what that is it's a sperm rod (laughs) oh you have to google it i don't want to you want me to google a guinea pig sperm rod yeah put it in your search history i learned about a new trend where girls are tattooing their baby's daddy's faces on their faces what i saw one girl with three different faces on (gasps) her face big faces forehead Mm. cheek cheek don't tattoo your face i don't know i've not seen a tattoo a a face tattoo that i've liked Mm. uh yeah i don't know i mean sometimes i see a girl that can pull off something cute but not always. Little tattoos don't look good for a long time, though. Yeah. Especially when your face is literally always in the sun. That's right. Did you learn anything new this week on the interwebs? No. Mm-hmm. Will oh, you be? Bridgerton is coming out oh. in, May, in May and June. So you be ready next week for Wilt Wody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title. What is it called? Wilt Wody. What I learned this week on the internet. Got Do you, you love it? I no. tried to get to you through text messages. I did see it. I saw that in the text. Couldn't no, wait. I might have thought Couldn't you were having a seizure. It. I nobody, didn't know what you were Nobody doing. turned my idea down. So Joa's birthday no, was two days ago. And we're all about to eat wedding cake, king cake. Yes, I can't wait. Are. It's so, freaking glorious. Stay tuned for our next episode. And someday we're going to do Footloose. Yeah. Someday. Someday.